Boy Hattie Podcast. I'm Annie. It's Bill. Merry Christmas! <laughs> yes, this is the Boy Hattie Podcast for uh, Saturday, December 28th, the last podcast of 2013. Yeah! We met, we, so this is going to be the third year of the Boy Hattie Podcast. Oh, Christ, it is. I'm just pointing that out. We've oh actually we've survived for quite a while. So, man, Three years of this garbage. So how was your Christmas? My Christmas was very low-key and lovely. It was yeah. really, really good. I, I'm sorry, I'm completely distracted by the wreath hat that I'm wearing right now while we're recording the broadcast on YouTube. Yes, so for all of you folks who are listening to this in its native form, an yeah. audio recording, <laughs> um, Bill took the wreath down from his wall with the Christmas lights in it and is wearing it on his head like a festive hat. Well, I'm going to have to throw this away tomorrow anyway, so might as well get the most use of it. So, I look, I, yeah, it's my Christmas sombrero, and it's all lit up. It's fantastic. Look at that. I like that um, wearing it as a hat is getting the most use out of it. Yeah, well, you know, well, better than just dying on a wall, not True. helping anyone. At least my head's warm now. <laughs> Although, also, I think I have a slight allergy. Like, when I, whenever I physically touch pine needles, I get itchy. So who knows how fucked up I'm going to be for the rest of the day as a result of this. You're such a smart boy, Bill Mudrin. Anyway, so, how, so yeah, your Christmas is pretty good. My Christmas was great. Um, uh, fully made uh, tasty lunch, and uh, we tasty hung out. Tasty lunch. Yeah, we had. Uh, we were up and about until like ten fifteen. So I guess it was like a brunch. Was it Christmas sort of thing? <laughs> yes, Bill. Like you've no, never we... mast. Like no one's ever masturbated or had sex on Christmas. <laughs> it's the ultimate day off. What else are you gonna do when you're not like wrapping, uh, like, unwrapping presents or watching uh, 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 movies? Or, like, yeah. eating awesome Christmas food. That's a perfect day for sex or masturbation. It's really the only thing you can do on Christmas. Yeah, because it's cold outside. It's not like you're going to go play golf on Christmas Day. Unless you, like, live in Florida or California or something like that. But fuck that shit. <laughs> anyway, uh, we uh, I just had... always assume that if you're, if you're talking about how you guys don't get out of bed for, like, four hours, it's like you guys are up to hijinks. Well, it believe it or not, it was that I slept in because oh, I was very really? tired. Uh, we I haven't been sleeping super well lately because I got the melancholies. Yeah. And uh, so I uh, uh, we slept in late, and it was weird. I actually emailed Brenna and Chase who were coming over to open presents, and I told them to come later, later on Christmas Day so that I could um, wake up a little bit and clean the house. And I felt like a sham. I'm like, who is this person telling these people to not come and open presents early? What's wrong with me? Oh, Bill. This this wreath keeps on slipping. I can't see. You're making for a really good podcast here. Bill. <laughs> I'm trying to. How many viewers we got on the on the U streams? Two. So I'm really glad that you're entertaining oh, yeah, our two viewers. Okay. okay, okay, we're gonna have a real podcast now. Oh <laughs> okay, my god! Good on you, Bill. Oy. Now I can go back to wearing the Smurf hat that you gave me for Christmas. Isn't it the world's warmest hat? Oh, it's so warm when it doesn't have a goddamn twenty pound wreath on top of it breaking your neck. Yeah, it's it's much more. Wait, how do you know this hat is warm if you you gave me a used hat? I'm wearing the same kind of hat, man. Oh, I got where'd one you get the hat? Um, uh, I uh, just found them. They're like some American made hat thing, and they were on super sale. So, oh, I mean, excuse me, they were very expensive, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> No, that's what you gotta tell everyone that man that hat I made you. It's made out of uh, Julie Andrews pubic hair. It got to be cultivated over the course of like a decade, especially because you had to get the pubic hair that still had color. 
Because you, you don't want to have a gray pubic hair wig. So, thing. I had a really good Christmas. Wait, you want to talk about Julie Andrews' pubic hair? Did you know, you, okay, so you know the guy who she got married to, Blake Edwards? Supposedly he's... I'm not going to participate in this, Bill. What? Supposedly he said her pubic hair, she had lilacs for pubic hair. And this is even before he started dating her, much less marrying her. The fact that she married someone like that speaks a lot about her awesome character is all I'm saying. Merry Christmas. Are you done talking about Julie Andrews' pubic hair? Can I go back to talking about Christmas What, you again? think she's going to get upset when she starts listening hey, to the Bill, podcast? Bill, how was your Christmas? You know, we have gotten lots of letters from Julie Andrews asking us not to talk about her sex life. <sighs> you know what I want for Christmas? I wish you never... I would... Oh, you know what just occurred to me? I am the boss of this Google Hangout live stream. I can mute you. Oh, no. <laughs> well, what's the podcast going to be? It's going to be long 20-minute stretches of silence while you just start singing, you know, like music from Butch Cassidy or something like that. So, um, uh, how was your Christmas, Bill? Man, my Christmas... What the hell? Oh, man. Uh, What did I do for Christmas? I can't remember. I'm having heat stroke from that wreath on my head. Oh, on Christmas... Uh, made Yorkshire pudding. That was good, as always. I do have a knockout Yorkshire pudding recipe, which again, uh, I, I probably must must have mentioned this last year because I made Yorkshire pudding last year. Uh, Yorkshire pudding is just you just make a roast, any kind of beef roast, and actually the only thing that makes it a pudding is the fact that like you take the beef fat and you mix it in with some uh, uh flour uh flour was it flour eggs and milk and you just kind of make these like little bready like little uh stuff in a muffin tin. And they're like little like little uh, bread cups, but with beef tallow in them. And you put some beef tallow on the bottom before you put the batter in, so it, the bottom gets all nice and fried. And it's just sort of like this fried, like, bready thing that you just, just eat on the side with your roast along with, you know, potatoes or what else you want to have a side with. And it's really, really good. And I just had that and uh, uh, hung out and watched, uh, we had Yorkshire Pudding and watched uh, Matt Smith die on Doctor Who. Oh, how, so how'd it go? It was a terrible episode. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was, it was predictably bad. It was, um, everyone was worried that, um, the 50th anniversary Doctor Who episode that came out last month was going to be bad. Actually, it was surprisingly good. Everyone really seemed to agree that, like, oh, it was actually really a nice special. Unfortunately, Stephen Moffat saved all of his crummiest writing and stuff for Matt Smith's last episode, because this is the episode oh, where Matt no. Smith regenerates into Peter Capaldi. Actually, the bit where uh, Matt Smith dies and turns into Peter Capaldi is actually, that's the best part of the episode. That was actually well-written. But, like, the plotting and everything else of this episode was just completely nonsensical. It's all about the Doctor living on this planet for 300 years, fighting all of his worst enemies as they're trying to attack this town called Christmas? Which is actually no. some kind of secret human colony that no one can escape for some reason. And it just, like, the plot doesn't no. make any goddamn sense. And then there's this character that he's flirting with who seems like River Song that you kind of think is going to, you're going to find out is, like, a regeneration reversion of River Song, but never turns out to be River Song. And okay. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Um, but, yeah, Matt Smith go bye-bye. I'm super sad about that, because he was... No. He was so much better than the material that he was given, uh... Yeah. As the Doctor. He oh, really yeah. rose above that material, because... Absolutely. Uh, as much as I love some of Stephen Moffat's scripts... And this is this is par for the course with everyone when it comes to Doctor Who this day, these days, is, uh, yeah, everyone being kind of tired of uh, Stephen Moffat's kind of crummy writing. But, um... Yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, no, I had a good Christmas. What the hell... 
I can't remember anything about Christmas. I slept <laughs> so much in the last week. Well, I, I work really hard as a freelancer, and so the closest thing to, I, uh, to a vacation I ever get is when I set aside the last two weeks of every year, Christmas week and New Year's week, just to take off and not do any work. Usually means I still stay. It's a st- usually a stay home vacation. I usually just you know spend the, those two weeks either unconscious or playing video games. But that's still a nice break from you know working like a dog. Yeah. And so, uh, well, the the other speaking of Doctor Who, the nice thing too is uh, the thing that really made uh, Christmas nice this year is that my Doctor Who Bayou tapestry prints became super popular, <laughs> and so I spent most of December uh, shipping those prints to everyone all around the world. And it turns out I did seem to get most of them out in time for Christmas delivery. I had a couple people complaining that, that for whatever reason, the UPS could not get packages delivered before Christmas. But it seems that I made several hundred people's Christmases by getting those packages delivered on time, which made the whole rest of the month I spent like 12 to 16 hours a day just rolling up things into tubes and putting them into boxes and getting those ready for ship for shipping i'm glad to see that all worked out you were santa yeah i was a one-man uh santa's workshop this month and i'm glad Mm -hmm. to see it all kind of worked out even people uh even people in the uk and canada which uh overseas delivery tends to take weeks upon weeks seem to have gotten their packages within just a week or two which is really rare for uh, the mail system, especially around Christmas, because even around Christmas, sometimes it can take up to two months for me to ship something from uh, from the United States to uh, almost anywhere in the UK. It could take up to two yeah. months around yeah. it, like, you know, but, yeah, so Christmas is pretty good. I, I'm trying to think of anything else I did at Christmas that is worth talking about that's not just video games and stuff, but I can't even think of, oh, man, I just had a good time. I just, oh, that's uh, great. my parents sent me uh, coloring books and crayons. Uh, that's their big thing. They're, 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 they still claim that until the day they are dead, they're going to continue to uh, give me and my sister uh, crayons and coloring books for Christmas, so I got that in the mail. And, no, I got a nice little warm hat. Um, I don't know. What else did I I can't even remember anything. It's funny when you ask me about Christmas, it's just about what things did I get. <laughs> but that's well, kind of Christmas. Now, so that I mean, come on. now that you've broached that subject, let me tell you about my loot that yeah, I got you get? for Christmas. Um, uh, fully super sweet. She, so she got me the PlayStation 4 that my family and her dad went in on. That you opened and, up uh, a week ago. That I opened up a week ago. But she got me, oh, she's such a good kid. She got me everything I asked for. She got me the, um, Six Gun Gunslinger Edition, which I actually have right here. Mm-hmm. And I will show to our three viewers and the listeners at home can just imagine, use your imaginations. It's beautiful. So it's an artist edition, so it's like, uh... A third as large as a regular volume, and uh-huh. it comes in this box that is made to look like General Hume's coffin. And you open it. Hold it the wrong way. You open it up, and inside. Oh, I really am holding it the wrong way. Where is it? Where did the flap go? There we go. Uh, you open it, and inside, Whoa, it's like that is nice. There's like. Scratches on the inside of the case where you open it, and is that then imagery the... you didn't necessarily see? Like, like that's a panel from the comic, but you don't like you don't get to see like the coffin inside of the coffin with the scratches or anything like that in the it's, comic. It's it's just I mean it's very clearly a piece he did for this. Yeah, no, that's you, fantastic. Like, the wrap around the book itself is General Hume in the coffin, huh. and it came with um, some beautiful prints that I'm really excited about, and uh, 
going to get frames, just gorgeous stuff that's the same scale as the book itself. Totally going to get this Becky Moncrief thing framed. And then the, yeah, so it's great. The cover of the, the wrap is General Hume in his coffin, and then the opposite side are his minions releasing him oh, from the Oh, that's coffin. fantastic. With his hands reaching out towards them. It's yeah. just gorgeous. And then the paper is so good. Like, Christ, this is just... If you like comics, this is comics porn. And the Six Gun is my favorite, favorite, favorite. The art just looks beautiful. I'm so happy to reread this at this scale. Are they doing more volumes of this? They are. Yeah, they're going to try and do all the volumes, I think, in uh, in artist editions. Like and this. how much is that? Like 100 bucks? This was 120. Fully, That's still really not bad. And how how you much can... how much is, how many issues is that essentially? Uh, I mean, it's the first volume, so it's like the first seven issues. Oh, okay. It's it's expensive. You can get just the hardback for like I think it's on Amazon for like. Well, that's like bucks that's or a, I think other publishers have done the same thing with like Sandman has exactly the same thing where all of Sandman is broken up to, into four or five one hundred dollar volumes. It's exact exact same thing, yeah. Or it's a big but giant like, said, like coffee table sized book. Yeah, this is this is something special. This is my special little trinket. I got number ninety eight out of a thousand. Oh, pretty chuffed. Oh, very nice. It's my baby precious. So Foley's oh. the best. Um, she, let's see, what else did I get? My parents are adorable. They got me this, uh, in addition to pitching in for the PS4, they got me this leather bag with a, like, a cowgirl pinup on the side of it. It's an adorable, strange thing, but what's great is that it is coincidentally the perfect size to carry comics in. Oh, very nice. So, I got a new comics caddy. Aww. Brenna is adorable. She painted me as the uh, ultimate gift in her advent calendar thing she made for me. Uh, uh, it, she painted an oil painting of Orange and Bailey in, like, kind of this Rococo sort of, like, posed, formal, like, in their gowns and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It's delightful. Brenna is the best. And, um, my, uh, let's see, what else did I get? I got a really good haul this year. The, honestly, one of the best things I got was, as dumb as it sounds, fully got me a new, um, charger for my iPod Touch. My old one was terrible. I know that sounds dumb, but my old one was You're terrible. Yeah. No, but really, it's something I use every day, and it was hard to get seated properly. I got such and- the nicest shoe caddy. No, but really, it's great. <laughs> I can I can droggle, I groggly like oh, seat man. it, and the speaker's really nice. And what's great is that it works for both my touch and the iPad, so I can have the iPad angled with the, sitting there with the speakers and everything. It's dumb. It's a very dad thing to say, but I got, yeah. uh, that was one of my no, favorite No, I gifts. shouldn't make too much fun. You're talking to a guy, like, one of the highlights of my Christmas was Monster Cake Balls, so. Um, <laughs> what, anything else interesting that you got? Uh, yes, Bill is an asshole. <laughs> yes! And uh, <laughs> Bill got me a copy of Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid on Blu-ray. And I opened it up. I'm like, okay, I totally I know you already had a sweet. copy of this. I, I was hoping to mystify you a little bit. I was. It was like, that's very sweet, but all right, Bill's whatever. Bill's sweetly retarded. <laughs> and so I just kind of put it on my shelf next to my other copy and continued on my day. I was like, oh, but that's sweet of him. It is my favorite movie of all it's time. It's better than getting nothing. And then Bill, Bill's like, I, I've just mentioned on Twitter, hey, Bill, thanks for the thing. Yeah. Uh, enjoy your hat. And uh, yeah, Foley got Bill a uh, beard oil. Which I need to grow back my beard so I can use it. Because well, I only, I only have that facial, facial pubic hair back it, again. Yeah. It, it helps moisturize the skin underneath your, your I can put it on now. Hair. I got it right here. Well, no, you're, you're supposed to uh, use it after taking a hot shower. Oh, yeah. And then just 
put a drop in your palm and then smooth it into your beard. So, but anyway, as yeah, much of a so, beard as I could ever grow, but you know. <laughs> but still, it's to help your it's to help your little skin underneath your facial hair. She was like, he sometimes gets a little chapped underneath his old beard, so help him out. Aww. So, but anyway, I I treated Bill I'm like, hey, Bill, here's how you use your beard oil. Enjoy your hat, and uh, and then Bill's like, oh, you've had that Blu-ray, huh? And I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, because you're all like, that's the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> you were pretty sulky, but it was totally like, yeah, thanks for the gift. I was like, it, ah, ha, ha, I got you, I got you, I got you, got you, got you. Bill got you. has a history of 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 trickery of trying of, of presents that are gifts one way or the other. You're just, just lucky I didn't them. hide the gift in a much more important, even better gift, and made you destroy that better gift to get to the lesser gift. <laughs> That's true. So anyway, yeah. So Bill inside the Blu-ray case was a uh, is a gift certificate. For the amount of money that it takes to rent the Hollywood, uh, one of my favorite theaters here in town, the Academy Theater, yeah. to have a birthday screening of Butch Cassidy's The Nits Kid, which is something that I really have wanted to do, but couldn't justify the expense of when I was also planning on getting. Yeah, a birthday so this tattoo, is this so. is of actually more of an early birthday gift than it is. Uh, you know, for your birthday, I'm just gonna get you Fire Emblem Awakening. It'll be the most <laughs> disappointing thing for your 30th birthday. I'm gonna say, fuck it. Yeah, I just rented you a theater, but here you get my favorite actually, game, in 2013. Actually, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, I thought he was going to get me Fire Emblem Awakening. I kind of wanted that. Okay. I was at the store yesterday, (laughs) and I actually went to go see if they had Fire Emblem on the shelf just to pick it up, just to be like, here's a super early birthday gift. And they didn't have it in stock. But I actually looked yesterday just kind of thinking, is this my favorite game of the year? Yeah. I was like, especially if we were going to start talking about uh, our favorite oh, stuff sure. this year. I wanted to make you play it. Granted, you can download it yourself for uh, for forty bucks for no problem. But I can see it's forty dollars. It's not necessarily a game that you can be guaranteed that you're gonna like. So I could see why you don't want to download it. But anyway, but yeah, uh, Merry Christmas, Annie. Thank you, Bill. Thank you very well, much. What's the other thing too is. Uh, if you don't want to just, uh, you could also just apply that money, that, the, the $300 from that gift certificate to, like, if you want to get, like, upgrade to a bigger theater, oh, and for sure, some reason yeah. you suddenly get cash, or if you want to have a weekend showing, but yeah, that'll, that'll enable you to have, uh, 65 people over for a screening of Butch Cassidy, and that's the other thing, because I gave you a copy of, uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, if you accidentally leave it at the theater, you'll still have your, your copy at home or something like that, is all I'm saying. Thank you, Bill. Merry Christmas. You're a good man, Bill Mudrin. Aww. But yeah, I got you an eight dollar hat. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know that eight eight dollar hat kind of makes my head not not too hot. But man, I was wearing bumming around yesterday. Uh, I went to the bookstore and was kind of just 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 bumming around town yesterday. Man, it was super nice. It was fucking ass cold outside yesterday, and this mm-hmm. hat kept my fucking noggin t- nice and toasty. Look it um, out for you, Billy. More even more importantly than the gifts, what kind of what kind of crummy bullshit. Uh, did you eat, and what kind of stuff did you watch during Christmas? Uh, we or for had the, for uh, the holiday in general. Like I said, we had French toast for breakfast, which is super good, fully special fancy coffee. And then for dinner, we were talking about it, and fully was like, I don't know if I want to make a traditional Christmas dinner. Yeah. So we had uh, enchiladas instead. <laughs> they were really fucking good enchiladas. Hey, as long as it's good food, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be like. Yeah. You know what? If you're going to be traditional, technically you should be eating like a roast geese. A roast mm-hmm. goose with a crippled kid. Roast beast. Who wants beast? to do that? Yeah. yeah. Roast beast, even better. Yeah. Or a can of hoo hash. Um, anyway, Bill, what, what did you have? What other, what other gross gr- stuff did oh, you have? Oh, I just ate my own plate? semen while watching Little Women. Oh. I just shot a load in my own mouth. I was just so fucking excited about it. 
rather just for Annie's face. No! Swiss Colony delivered a whole bunch of shit. It was fucking tasty. So I know Swiss Colony has rep reputation for uh, just the d delivering garbage bullshit to grandmas. But I got some uh, got some free Petty Fours and some truffles, and they were good. Uh, this year, I also had some uh, had uh, sausages and cheese, like the big versions, though. Because it's funny, because the like the Swiss Colony catalog is set up to trick you into thinking like if you order like a sausage or cheese from Swiss Colony, it's gonna be like a full size like pound log or a big brick of cheese. What you get are like little tiny little baby sized, little snack sized things. And if you go to Swiss Colony. Uh, their website and check all the reviews and stuff. All the reviews are people complaining about how tiny their portions actually are and how their photography <laughs> is all nothing but trickery bullshit. Yeah. But I got the big versions of all the sausages and cheese. And so all this week while I was playing video games, all I've been doing is uh, eating uh, slices of Swiss Colony uh, summer beef log, the garlic beef log, their Swiss and their cheddar on crackers, which... Despite supposedly being fancy meat, tastes just like a real-life Lunchable. <laughs> oh, really? But it's good! And it's perfectly like a little video game, little snack food, where it's like, I'm yeah. a little crunch, little, little sandwich cracker thing. And, yeah, no, like, this this last couple days while I've been, put, like, plowing through Assassin's Creed and stuff like that, that's all I've been snacking on. The other thing I bought on a whim, because they had on Super Sale, these things called Monster Balls. They are... I've never even heard of this before. Have you ever heard of cake balls before? Oh, I've heard of them, though I've never actually tried one. These are called monster cake balls, because I guess they're really even bigger than normal cake balls. Cake balls are just like, yeah, balls of, of, of chocolate cake that are like just dipped in chocolate. These are monster cake balls that are literally like as big as like... Even way bigger than like a golf ball. Mm. But they're also filled with, with peanut butter. And the softest, gooeyest... Like chocolate cake with the peanut butter, oh my fucking god! Almost gave me a fucking conniption. So anyway, that <laughs> stuff was really good. And uh, yeah, between that and New Yorkshire pudding, I made for Christmas Day proper, and stayed up until two a.m. to watch the Santa Tracker. Oh, good on you! Santa was much later arriving in Portland than it was last year. Um, yeah. Last year, uh, Santa arrived in Portland right after eleven p.m. Right when the. Uh, a Wonderful Life ended. This year, he did not arrive until 2 a.m. I don't know what took him so long this year. But I actually stayed up. I was still playing video games. And I, like, I don't want to go to bed until I saw Santa passed over Portland. I can understand It was that. an arbitrary, like, I'm not going to bed until I just see his, like, weird, crappy-ass little computer-generated sleigh on this website, pass over Portland. At the speed I of light. I won't fault you your rituals, my friend. Yeah. No, you. Christmas is all about rituals. It's all, you know, Absolutely. come on. That's the whole point of Christmas. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, so on Christmas Eve, I watched uh, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Still, yeah, you've, you've still only seen that movie, like, once in your life, huh? Yep, yep. I'm the only person in America who only saw, God, I only saw It's a Wonderful Life within the last couple of years. It is one of the best Christmas movies. It's, it's still one of my favorite movies in, uh, in general, altogether, just, just... Yeah. Um, well, I, one of the funny things is looking at uh, movie message boards this Christmas and seeing people who were like, like kids were only like 19 or 20 who only mm -hmm. saw uh, It's a Wonderful Life for the first time this year going like, that's actually a really good movie. I know, I've always heard about that movie, but other people make fun of me, but I really like that movie, even though it's, Not, like, even though it's like 100 years old and it's black and white and everyone talks <laughs> weird. I really like that movie. It's kind of heartwarming to see people kind of like... <laughs> Yeah. Kind of admitting to liking it, like this, 
Which is weird because, like, It's a Wonderful Life was an old movie when I was a kid, like, 30 years ago. Yeah. And, like, these kids now are, like, that movie is, like, 80 years old. Well, 70 years yeah. old, at least, but... Um... My cat does not want to be picked up. It is not a Christmas miracle. Then don't pick up the cat! What's the cat have to do with the podcast? What does wearing a wreath on your head have to do with the podcast, Bill? That's for the podcast. <laughs> you did not buy a cat just for entertainment value for the podcast. <laughs> uh, so I, the night before Christmas, I went to go uh, to a party at the Hollywood Theater, and um, uh, we, we watched The Grinch. And man, I gotta tell you, watching that, that on the giant screen is actually kind of great. Like, it's from the era of Xerox pencils. Yeah, so it's all, like, kind of rough sketch animation, yeah. Yeah, but it still holds up, and it's still beautiful, and I noticed, weirdly, on that giant scale, I noticed, like, the transitions that they do a little more. Like, I'd never really consciously clued into things. Like, there's one cut where the Grinch is looking down on the Who's, you know, waiting to see how they're going to react and uh, he, there's this close shot of his eyes as he's peering down, and then there's a cut to the Who's exiting a house, and the doors of the house are yellow with little red knobs, so, like, his eyes oh, become no. the doors that the Who's emerge from, and just, like, little stuff like that. that, that I, I any, I don't think you can hear me, but you that just froze up. beautiful. Okay. Absolutely beautiful. I'm sorry, you just froze up there, so I totally missed the last 30 seconds of that, but I'm sure it was The beautiful. Grinch is pretty. Uh, the backgrounds are really, really handsome. Are not I love the who's a bunch of assholes? No. You don't really get to learn anything about the who's. They're just like the most, like... I was watching that this year, just, just on TV, just thinking, man, you guys, fuck, fuck the who's. The Grinch is totally right. These guys are just a bunch of sanctimonious, just weirdos. It's like this weird, oh, weirdo, like, religious colony that are just like... Uh, what do they do the rest of the year too? Because they're all about Christ. It's weird that cartoon characters are so much about like Christ and giving and stuff. Like, what do they do on Halloween? Halloween must be boring as shit in Whoville. Uh, so we uh, we did that. It was a lot of fun. Then we came home and uh, went to bed. And uh, yeah, the next morning we got up and we had breakfast. It was really lovely. We uh, noodled around the house. I played some Assassin's Creed. Still enjoying the hell out of that game. Did you already uh, beat that? Well, I beat I beat the game on PS. Okay. So now I'm replaying it a little bit on the PS4. I played it for the first time streaming to my Vita while I was in bed. Was it good? It was kind of it was kind of fantastic just for the novelty of it. But on Christmas Day proper, what we did when Brenna and Chase came over, we watched the Bob's Burr's Christmas episode from this year. I think it's called Christmas in the Car. Yeah. God With damn Bob Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Yes. It was so good. Christ, we wound up watching it twice because uh, Jimmy and Conley came over later. And we recorded a ladylike episode, and afterwards we uh, we watched again. So good, and uh, we watched Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, oh, the night before we watched when we got back to the house before we went to sleep, we watched the Lady Gaga holiday special from yeah. I heard last people year, freaking out about that. That was actually supposedly supposedly. I've heard either people say it was either really good or really bad. Well, it depends on what you want from a holiday special. It was weird because you didn't hear a holiday song until, like, maybe a third of the way through the special. Yeah, which is fine, as long as the rest of the special is entertaining. Well, it was mostly a commercial for Lady Gaga's new album. 
Like, if you want to hear uh, Miss uh, 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 Lady Gaga and Kermit talk about uh, the release of Lady Gaga's new album, that's the special you should watch. Uh-huh. But on the other hand, they had these little bit, uh, these little bits with Kirsten Bell, or Kristen Bell and uh, the Muppets, and she's really good with the Muppets. I was talking to Brenda about it, and she does a good job of treating the Muppets like people, which not everyone does. And uh, she's the right kind of uh, straight man, like because really a good puppet, a Muppet co-host is like they're kind of a, they're a funny straight man, and yeah. they just you know that's that's what they got to do. And, and she did a really really good job. And uh, one of the few holiday songs they sang was. Baby, it's cold outside. It was actually Lady Gaga and Joseph Gordon-Lovett performing it together. Mm-hmm. And what was great was that um, Joseph Gordon-Lovett sang the lady parts of that song, which was a nice little reversal, and uh, made it a lot better. Can I be the straight white guy who tells you how uncomfortable that song makes me feel? Because that's <laughs> you know that seemed to be the fucking fashion on Twitter this year. Is all the straight white guys like, "Ooh, if I were a lady, that song would make me feel creepy." <laughs> Everyone realizing for the first time what a creepy song it is. Well, have I told you? Surely I t- I've mentioned before in the podcast the story of Baby It's Cold Outside. No, why? So, Frank, I think Frank Lesser wrote it, and he uh, wrote it for his wife. It was a party song that he and his wife would sing together at parties. And okay. It was always a big hit, and uh, it really meant a lot to her. And he sold it without telling her. Without telling her, the song he wrote for her, for them to perform at parties, that was like their big thing, he sold, and she found out when she heard it one day. Yeah. And then she was like, you son of a bitch. She divorced him? uh, They were not happily married, I'll say that. Wait, are they still alive? (laughs) No, that was like in the, back in the day, my friend. Man, I was watching White Christmas, reading all about how Bing Crosby, like, beat his kids and stuff. Yeah. That was a fun Christmas moment. <laughs> yeah. Man, why but, Christmas? Uh, I watched that twice. I watched it once on my own, and my housemate Bahar, she wanted to watch it again, too, so I watched it with her, and that, that that's a cute goddamn movie. I really love White Christmas. Man, that it's one chick is super anorexic. Not yeah. Rosemary Clooney, but... Vera Lynn. Yeah. Oh, man, she's yeah. just, like, frightening. There's a part where she's dancing, and she's got, like, panties on underneath her skirt. And her panties are baggy because, like, the costume designer, I guess, underestimated how small her butt was going to be and how, like, kind of loose her, uh, her legs are through, through, through like, her pants. And it's just, like... Well, she her... was a... She's a ballerina, so I think it may have been just genuinely that she has the physique. I don't know, who, man. You know. She's got, like... She's got, like, unco- she's, she got uncomfortably skinny legs. Yeah, well, it's funny because Rosemary Clooney is like this big stocky lady. Even back then, I love Rosemary Clooney well, so later, much. Just... Later on, she actually did get fat, but like even then, even when she was like skinny, she was still like, like as tall as any of the guys, and just kind of like that big like she, she like she had the physique of like a farmer's wife kind of thing going on. Doesn't she look like a person that Dylan drew? Yeah. Like, it, well, she's Rosemary got a fantastic Clooney... facial profile. She's got a great yeah. nose. Whereas the other girl, the anorexic girl, looks like like looks like a tortured Barbie doll. With, like, the, uh, this really, like, pinched evil face? Yeah. Rosemary Clooney looks like Dylan McConey's character. Yeah, exactly, her. yeah. It's, it's a shame that you, anorexia can't make your face not look less, less like, constipated. <sighs> so, uh, we also, on Christmas, played How the Saints Save Christmas. Yeah, I, you know what? I didn't get around to playing that, because I was playing so much other stuff. So good. People That's gifted me so much stuff over Steam that I didn't get a chance to fire up my Xbox. Yeah, I uh, I've also been playing uh, a lot of computer games this week on the computer proper. 
Uh, I got gifted Shadowrun Returns by dear listener Cannonheart, and I was actually playing it right before we started recording. That's a fun little game. Yeah. I really, really like it. It totally scratches my old school uh, point-click turn-based RPG uh, itch, but it's also just beautiful. What I game really is like what, the... what, what, what is it? I've never played this shit before. Shadowrun Returns is a, sh- a turn-based RPG isometric game. So pretty much exactly what was... you just told me. Yes, it's all the things I just said, Bill. How? And uh, it was Kickstartered. It's based on the Shadowrun uh, RPG. There was a, a Nintendo, a Super Nintendo Shadowruns RPG game back in the day that I had tried to play with little success. Yes, Bill? You just described Fire Emblem! Except with good characters, because that's a like, turn-based strategy... Battlefield the, no, RPG. Fire Emblem is a strategy game a little more so, whereas uh, this is a uh, turn-based game with, uh, it's an RPG with strategy elements. There's a difference between a tactical strategy game and a turn-based RPG. Like, they share some elements. Oh, this is, oh, this is still, is just a turn-based, oh, because that, like, the way you picture, because you were talking about, like, oh, okay. So, is there a battlefield uh, with, like, like, it's divided up into squares or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how isometric RPGs work. Huh. Have you never played, like, Baldur's Gate and Fallout? Oh, the Baldur's old Fallout Gate is like and... an action game, right? It's it's totally an isometric point-and-click RPG. Uh, I don't think I've played games like that, no, before, yeah. The closest huh. thing that I ever played the, to that was uh, XCOM when it came out last year. Yeah, XCOM and Diablo is the closest you've come Yeah, that's what friend. kind of... Uh, well, I, I've played Diablo 3, but that's not really... That's definitely not turn-based, though. That's, like, live-action, oh, like, no. you're smashing but shit. But if you could if you could imagine uh, Diablo, but if it were turn-based, oh, okay, that's okay, kind of okay. what it is. That's sort of more... Well, like Baldur's Gate. I've played Baldur's Gate. We've played Baldur's Gate together, but that's not turn-based, but it's still like yeah, isometric. I'm not talking about Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Bill. Why is that different That's from not... other Baldur's Gate games? It drastically. Bill. Oh, I thought it's... that was par for the course for all Baldur's Gate games. No, oh. no, that was a weird, weird like. That game was thing. awesome though. <laughs> I agreed. I enjoyed the hell. Yeah, out that of was it, fantastic. Oh, but... um, you man, you've never played like. Uh... Planescape Torment? I was too busy. I was too busy playing Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> Have you Fair ever enough. played Diddy Kong Racing? Have you ever? Yes. What was your favorite racer? Was it Tip Top? Ah, I can't Tip-top. remember. Do, 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 I played do, a do, lot do, more do, do, do. Crash Team Racing than that, oh, and that I can't noise. even remember who was my favorite oh, my uh, racer in that. Oh, did oh. you see? Did you see what the new PlayStation Plus games are right now? One of them no. is the Sonic. There's like a Sonic Mario Kart game. Yeah, yeah. Which Sonic is Racers. actually, I was kind of surprised. It's it's like Diddy Kong Racing in that uh, it's got uh, airplanes and hovercraft, just like Diddy Kong Racing. Hmm. And actually, I played a little bit of it. It actually doesn't look that bad. I haven't played too much to find out whether or not if the game itself is is actually that terrible. Annie says that she takes out her headphones. I'm just well, stretching, motherfucker. Annie, I got two. Annie, as a human being, I cannot blame you for taking out your headphones when someone else starts telling you how great this Sonic the Hedgehog Mario Kart game is. <laughs> I took out an earbud, motherfucker. Uh, Continue. It's got R- Wreck-It Ralph in it, which is weird, too. But Anyway, that's a free game you can download to your Vita. That just came out. I think it's brand new. I think it just came out like a month or two ago. Hmm. Oh, I've been playing the Vita. Uh, Bill, let me borrow Persona 4 Golden, and I've been playing that. It's really funny. I, I'm playing it with Foley, and Foley's never played a JRPG before. Herself? Because uh, well, I mean, she's watched you play JRPGs, right? 
Well, not really. Really? I, think, I was thinking about it. The only JRPG I've played around her was, was it Last Odyssey that Grumpy Turtle gave? Yeah. And I, even, honestly, that I played about maybe an hour and a half max. And I need to get back to it. And uh, other than that, I don't think I played any JRPGs. Yeah, because you were kind of a big JRPG fan when we were living together. Yeah, yeah, because you played play like everything from like Dark Cloud to like Final Fantasy twelve and stuff. That's a good point, yeah. actually. Yeah, you had your kind of JRPG phase a while ago. I, I don't live the sort of life where I can play eighty hour grinding games anymore. I guess. Yeah. Unless they're Fallout, but uh, so I've been playing this, and it's interesting. It's funny. I forgot how much. Games, like, those sorts of games can kind of weirdly hold your hand for a long, long time before they actually let you play the game. Well, because those games have 100 hours of content, they can afford to yeah. kind of, like, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, that, it's, although it's that shows you how bad Final somewhere. Fantasy uh, 13 had to have been, where the first 12 hours of that were so linear that even for people who are used to that kind of hand-holding in JRPGs were even like, oh my god, this game, what the fuck is it doing to me? Like, I can't yeah. do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, Persona Four is even. I mean, it is really. You are cut. You are caught in dialogue cutscenes. I have. I. But you're playing my copy of Persona Four Golden. I have no idea what those games are about. All I know it's something about teenagers, something about suicide, and I have no idea if it's turn-based stuff. I have no idea if it's Mass Effect dialogue conversation stuff that the no. whole game is played through. I. I just bought on a whim because it was. It was like. It was like. It was like fifteen bucks on Amazon. I just bought the Vita. And I thought. And this is the one game I've always heard people flip out about in terms of the Vita, so I picked it up. But I was waiting just to see, until I fired it up, just to see what it was actually like. It's, I mean, it's a classic RPG. I'm enjoying it so far. Okay. And uh, the missus is enjoying playing it with me, so that's good. Uh, the other game I played this week was Stanley Parable. I had gotten it on uh, Steam sale a long time ago, even though it was PC only, because it was like $2 at the time. It was so yeah. cheap, I couldn't. It was 90% off or something insane. So I just bought it knowing that one day I'd be able to play it, and uh, it came out for Mac. So I sat down for about three hours on Saturday playing it. What a fucking great game that game is. My yeah, god. I've only played it for 90 minutes. I played it for 45 minutes that first time uh, until I, I saw that you were streaming Assassin's Creed 4 on PlayStation 4, and then I shut off the computer to watch you play that. And then I played it for another hour uh, this uh, last night, actually. And I, I, <laughs> it's funny because both times I had an entirely separate, different kind of play experience with the Stanley Parable. Uh, last night I got to... I got to see all the making of stuff, despite the fact mm -hmm, this is my yeah. only second playthrough through the game, uh, where yeah. I got to see them explaining all the different endings and different Yeah, models. I got that early on, too. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of interesting. And I think it's going to be, Stanley Parable's game is going to be one of those games, instead of just playing it repeatedly over and over again in just a couple different play sessions, I may just, like, maybe once a week just fire up the St Stanley Parable for maybe an hour, just be like, okay, I wonder what's going to happen this week when I make these choices. And I might actually stretch that out a little bit because that, that seems to be kind of a fun way to play that game. See, I played it. I played it in like a three to four hour burst, and um, then I came back the next day and I tried to do something different. And I enjoyed it much, much more in the three to four hour burst, just because I was able to iterate. I don't want to, you know, Stanley Parable is a game that you're best going into knowing nothing about, so I don't want to spoil it at all. Yeah. But let me just say that it's worth it at twice the price. I think it's still on sale for Steam for like yeah. And Grumpy Turtle like uh, bought that for me as a as a Christmas gift, for which I'm still appreciative of. That was fantastic. Well, that's the thing. My first playthrough, that first like 45 minutes that or hour or however long is that I played it through, was me playing through the beginning about seven or eight times. 
mm-hmm. because I was on the path where I did the complete hey, opposite of hey. everything that the narrator asked you to. And no, let's not talk about it anymore because I don't want to spoil. I think you've spoilers. already said more than you. Sometimes you can play through the opening of the game a whole bunch of different times, and I did, but I wasn't like reaching any kind of ending. And I was, it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, this is cute. And then yeah, like you said, I got distracted by you, you broadcasting on Twitch for the first time, and I want to wander off. But yeah, no, uh, Stanley Parables. Uh, is this gonna open the door to you playing more uh, Steam or uh, what's what's the engine that runs off of Half Life? Yeah, it's the Half-Life it, or engine. Source Engine. Are you going to play some more Source, Source Engine games now? Are you finally going to play Half-Life now that you've played no. Stanley Parable? No! Yeah! Just imagine Half-Life 2 is just like Stanley Parable with a better story. Uh-huh. And then you have to play yeah. it over and over again. I feel like uh, Stanley Parable and Gone Home and Dear Esther are like this great little threefer of first-person games that are just so... There are three such very different ways to use that uh, that uh, I don't want to say medium, but that uh, exploration device and that point of view, yeah. and that are so refreshingly different. Stanley Parable like... actually has a lot in common with, with with Portal in that you're in this environment that you can kind of break through and see what's going on behind the scenes a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Stanley Parable is fucking fantastic. I like that game. I really, really enjoyed it. It's not but quite still... as funny as, however. As listener Cannonheart, I think it was Cannonheart, gifted me Surgeon Simulator 2013. Oh yeah, have you? I've heard of that game. Have you seen any footage from that game? I'm a little too squeamish, so I haven't even. <laughs> There's nothing to be squeamish about. That game was like a fucking Animaniacs cartoon. I'm sure everyone else has has, has seen and heard about this game before, but Surgeon Simulator uh, 2013 is essentially a uh, quap if it were a Surgeon Simulator game. Quap being that uh, flash-based racing game where you have to control every muscles in the racer's legs with different buttons on the keyboard, which essentially just re- means that your your racer is just flipping out all the time. Uh, this mm-hmm. is the same thing where you're a surgeon who you only control one hand, and uh, different buttons on the keyboard control his individual fingers, and oh, clicking okay. on the mouse makes you drop his hand, and then you have to click the buttons on the keyboard to close it each individual finger so he can like wrap his fingers around an object and then pick it up and move it around and uh-huh. using that you have to like slice into the patient opening him up like cut away his rib cage to get it like the first thing you have to do is a, a heart transplant and so you have to open open up the rib cage but it's a very cartoony you know rib cage uh the first thing i actually i did i tried to rip off the patient's uh uh anesthesia mask <laughs> Oh, seriously? Which gives you an achievement. I think the achievement is like, shh, I doctor now. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think you have to complete the transplant in a certain amount of time. I never even came close, but I did kind of like brutally smash the rib cage open with a hammer. Mm -hmm. And it's just, oh, and then the second time I tried to play through the heart transplant, I got my hand stuck in the rib cage while trying to punch it open. And I had to quit out because my hand got stuck in this big rubbery way too, where the graphics started glitching out. And it's it's got a great sense of humor because all, all all the achievements in in Surgeon Simulator are completely ridiculous, and it's not meant to be taken seriously. But oh sure. But I think you can do multiple different tra- uh, transplants. It's how there's achievements not just for doing a heart transplant, but like a brain transplant too, and some oh, other jeez. stuff. <laughs> or I love I I I pretty I want to get far enough into that game so I can unlock the ability to saw someone's head open. With this super clumsy, like, 
drop your hand down, use the different buttons to individually close the fingers around the handle, the handle of the saw, and then try to saw the head open. Oh, jeez. It is fucking fantastic. Um, but yeah, I had a good time with that. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah, this is the rare time. Like, this is the most, like, Steam stuff I've played the, uh, in a while was just this past week. Just because I had all this free time. Yeah. Yeah, I the same. I, I've been playing a lot more video games than I have. Oh, the other thing I played was uh, the first episode of The Walking Dead. Hey, was that any good? I t- so, I think... I don't envy the folks at Telltale Uh-oh. having to follow up on the first season. That is not good. Well, no, 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 no. It's just everything that made the first season good is kind of hard to replicate. Well, that was also that first season was such a surprise. That's exactly it. It was surprising. Um, You were building on these new characters and learning their relationships. And it was kind of a slow burn, but they kind of hooked you pretty quickly. And so this time, you know, you know who Clementine is. You're playing as Clementine. And it's, you know, it's, so they've got you there. They've got a little bit of that emotional hook there because you want to take care of her. But I don't know. It's, it's pretty fucking brutal. It's a brutal ass way to start a season. Foley was so funny. We play those games together. It's like a TV show. And uh, she, the whole time she was just shouting at me. She was like, these are the worst survivors I've ever seen. These are terrible decisions. (laughs) Oh, so do you, you, so you do pretty quickly fall into a new group of survivors then? Yeah, it's not just yes. Clementine all by herself, you know. No, Clementine starts. I don't want to. You get a time jump though, oh, so okay. the game uh, very quickly uh, takes place like sixteen months after the event. Oh, wait, so it, does she look visibly any older? Yeah, she looks. She's a little older, a little taller. Is she still voiced kind of like badly? Where it's like, oh hey everybody, I'm I... a little girl. I was not as offended by her voice acting as you were. I just and I thought the voice acting was so much like, ah, Haley. It's it's better now in just that she's older, so yeah, she's okay. less of a, you know, a tiny wee bairn. So, but yeah, it was, it, it, it's, I enjoyed it. I don't regret my five bucks. But she's not voiced by Commander Shepard now? Jennifer Hale. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so, suddenly she's like, we have to go save these people. Come on. She's... She suddenly becomes more responsible. Yeah, that's true. This is true. Um, this is true. Man, Jennifer Hale. But, uh, I'm, man, I miss that lady. Um, yeah, I'm despite the fact that she stole every video game it. ever. Um, yeah. So, does it seem apparent that like there's any kind of save stuff gets transferred from the first game over to the second game? Anything happen? They c- they claim that it does, and it does open with a little bit of a flash, like of a montagey, like. Okay, so I will have to play thing. that on 360. I can't avoid that then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, do you, do you so, yeah. get to see Lee at all or anything like that? Anything about Lee? In no spoilers for well, Walking Dead one. Actually, sort of. Really? I'll say that. Sort of. Mm, You're using his head as a bowling ball at the zombie bowling oh, alley. Bill. So yeah, but I so I played the first episode of The Walking Dead. God bless him. I'll keep I'll keep going. I got the season pass. Did I'm you not to see play Tearaway? No. I went I out of so way. many games to play. I went out of my way so to finish games. that this week just to make sure I could and hand I it off to you. And I told you not to. I, mean, I had a good time with it. I don't regret blasting through that game. I literally told you not to, Bill. What did I say? I, I have a lot of games to play. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, but I can't believe you went for Persona 4 Golden over Tearaway first. Oh, man. They, they broke well, my heart. I, I started playing it before... Uh, before um, you gave me Tearaway, and then I kind of just got into it. I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. 
So, um, I'm just saying. You'll have to find out who murdered those women, man. I'm just saying. In wait, in Persona Four Golden. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, that's like a murder detective thing. Yeah. I thought it was a, a teenage suicide thing. Oh, I mean, it's uh, I, they took out I think the element that they had in the other games, which was you have to kill yourself to summon the monster. I want to play suicide. No, no. So anyway. Uh, yes, I did not play Tearaway. I'm sorry, Bill, that I betrayed you forever. Oh, God damn uh, in, uh, in non-gaming news, we watched the movies this week. We finally got around to watching The World's End. Did you what finish it? What that is. Did you finish it? Yeah, well, sort of. The, something was wrong <laughs> well, with the like playback. that's kind of like you can't say you watch it if you haven't seen how it ends. Well, I, it wasn't my choice. The disc would not play back properly. It skipped. Are you sure that's not your PlayStation 4? I put it in the PlayStation 3 and the same thing happened. Really? Because, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I don't know. T- I'm just telling you. I I don't know. We got to watch the whole movie, but we missed the climax. Sort of. <laughs> that's another movie that's best uh, when you go into it without knowing anything. But I don't know how Gary King uh, talked his way out of that one. Because it kind of skipped So wait, up to what point did you see? Spoilers for The World's End. No, I, we we watched all of it, but there was a there were two bits that we just were not able to watch because it, it the disc wouldn't play it. Properly. Like what? So like what, kinda... what? Like what did it lead up to? Like what, like what missing parts? Uh, I missed the uh, when uh, Nick Frost is chasing after Simon Pegg. Okay, yeah, when they're going to the world's end at the very end, yeah. Yeah, so I got to see part of that race, or part of that That's run, not much, because it is just it. a foot race, well, and that's it, yeah. hold on, that, I missed that, and I missed his confrontation with the girl bot. I got to see the literally the very end of it, which was great. Oh, all she but, does is come up to him like, I love you so much, and she just punches a hole, and he just punches a hole through her, and takes got, back his wedding ring, yeah. I saw the punch, that was pretty great. Yeah. And then when uh, King is confronting the beings... <laughs> Are you serious? The, basement yeah like when his two bros show up the disc just stopped playing and then it skipped forward that's to not, that really is a climax the whole, but yeah you get to see them escape though right yes i saw everything after that i just missed the emotional all, climax of the I movie. Really, all he does is yell at the beings until they get upset with him and then leave <laughs> fair enough but yeah that movie was really unexpected and a total delight i, I enjoyed yeah i was i don't know why i was surprised that the world's end i liked it well i, th- I was kind of surprised because i knew it was all about like drinking beer and about pub crawl stuff which is stuff i don't care about as being a, a teetotaling american that stuff is completely foreign to me i was i was actually actually kind of surprised how much i dug that little movie and the fact that it's a kung fu movie as much as anything yeah. else yeah yeah when you get to see nick frost going all sammo hung like beating people that with was that great. with uh, fucking uh, bar stools and stuff. Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah, I want I want another movie with Nick Frost as an action hero, just a balls out action hero. Yeah, and he gets to punch uh, James Bond's head off. That's right, man. Pierce Brosnan was honky in that movie. I love. Like, he showed up. My wife and I both kind of went, "Damn, Pierce!" Yeah, Brosnan. it's funny because he's only in the movie for literally like like a minute and a half. And then Realize he stands up. Takes. I love when he stands up and he turns into the one of the monsters and the lights uh, erupt in his eyes. But he does this weird thing where he fans his arms out and he's all like, oh, just <laughs> I love that movie. And the other movie we watched was, um, uh, we watched End of Watch because it was on Netflix. Which one was that? It was a movie that came out about, uh, gosh, about two years ago with um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena as uh, these cops in L.A. And it's filmed in this, uh, the whole 
conceit of the movie is that it's all all the footage is from various devices. Like the uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is taking a film class, so he has this camera he's carrying around, and he has these little cameras that he clips everybody. The conceit kind of falls apart because they clearly they have to use some cameras that are different points of views that that are still shaky, like it's like it's a handheld sort of thing. Uh-huh. But the perspective doesn't make any sense. I wish they were able to. Uh, keep the conceit, but it was a really nicely shot film. It was a fun little cop movie, and uh, it, the reason why we watched it—well, there were many reasons why we watched it—but um, Anna Kendrick plays Jake Gyllenhaal's love interest. She was really great. There's got to be a term, and I'm sure TV Tropes has one for a character in a usually a movie who doesn't necessarily serve the plot really. But they're a love interest, and the movie goes out of its way to aggressively make you fall in love with them, with the character. Like, Anna Kendrick was totally that in this movie, and Rosario Dawson in the Clerks sequel... Yeah, yeah, you know what she, I mean? and she's what? one of the best parts of the. She well, she is the best part of that movie. Yeah, yeah, because you fall in love with her. There's got to be a word for that, like a character that could probably be excised from the piece, but the they aggressively make it's you like fall the opposite of the Baxter. Yeah, sort of not not at all, but well, yeah, <laughs> sure. So, but that's another like it's another like romantic comedy term of like yeah, some kind of character that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't know, the Baxter is the name of the, uh, is what you call in a romantic comedy or romance, the person that the uh, protagonist is with who's great and kind and wonderful, but not the one. Yes. And the Baxter usually lets the protagonist go so they can be with the one. So no, Bill, that's not at all what I'm talking about. Oh, speaking of which, which is kind of funny because it's, uh, uh, one of the things I actually like most about The World's End is the fact that Gary King is kind of the Baxter and that... He is supposedly the main character, and he has a romantic infatuation with the girl in that movie, but he does not mm-hmm. end up with her. Yeah. And actually, kind of the secret main hero of that movie is, um, what's his face? Uh, Patty Constantine. Yeah. 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 And even Where though he has the arc. Even though he's just kind more, of a big yeah. character. Yeah. He has a little bit of an arc with, with the romantic lead and he's the one uh, that, that, that weird, she looks like Orange Kitten because she's got one eye bigger than the other. <laughs> But she ends up with him rather than uh, with Gary King, which I really liked. I thought it was actually kind of cool. Oh, man, I named my student in Persona uh, Orange Kitten. Yeah. And I always forget that until someone goes, hey, Orange, what you doing? Like, (laughs) maybe once every 30 minutes someone will use my name. It's so good. Oh, my God. But, yeah, no. Anyway, that's what I did this week, Bill. You should play Tearaway. It's really good. It's got one of my favorite video game endings of all time. I'm going to. I've heard good things. Um, I uh, caught up my Animal Crossing town because I wanted to do Christmas in my Animal Crossing town. I just wanted to see what uh-huh. this. Sn- well, because like in Christmas in Animal Crossing, you get all the Christmas lights and stuff on your on the trees, and it just it's a, always a fun time in Christmas. But that meant uh, because I had stopped playing uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf on the 3DS, I had stopped playing like the week before Halloween. I essentially had to do two months of Animal Crossing, squeeze it into like three or four days, which I did. And so I spent half the That's week crazy, just doing nothing though. but playing Animal Crossing. Like, a crazy amount of Animal Crossing. But I did collect all the Halloween furniture. I collected most of the Christmas furniture. And on Christmas Eve, I did distribute all the toys and everything that all my villagers wanted for Christmas. And everyone was very happy. So happy that Lucky the dog can no longer stand being in my town and moved out the day after Christmas. No! Fuck Lucky. He has abandoned both of us. Lucky. He just he's just oh, got yes. wandering feet. Well, this is the other, the, the this is the other funny thing uh, playing Animal Crossing. Essentially, fast forward 
uh, playing every day one after and uh, one after each other, fast forwarding the clock, is whether or not characters leave your town seems to be completely random, and yeah. often it's impossible to keep them from leaving. Because yeah. sometimes I would have characters come up to me and say, hey, did you know that so-and-so is thinking about moving? And I would say, oh, shit, thanks for the warning, and then go off and try to talk to that person. And the, if you can enter enter into a conversation with a villager about whether or not they want to leave, you can al almost always talk them down. You could say, hey, please don't leave. I really like you. And they'll say, oh, okay. Uh, but sometimes they won't even give you the option to have that con conversation with a villager. You can track that villager down and keep on trying to talk to them. But the villager mm -hmm. will never talk to you about whether or not they want to leave or not. And it may be the last yeah. day you have the opportunity to talk to them before they start packing up. And once they start packing up, it's too late. They're they're they're, they're going to move out no matter yeah. what. That's it. And so I and like so yeah, that's so weird that that sometimes in Animal Crossing you really can't prevent someone from moving out if they want to, which kind of sucks. Especially if it's yeah. a favorite villager or something like that. Because uh, this is yeah. the other thing, uh, too, because I realized uh, looking up uh, Animal Crossing villager guides while blasting through this two months of the game, uh, mm. <laughs> I had subconsciously alienated everyone in my town into leaving who was not of the lazy villager personality type. Which oh, I really? I didn't realize all the characters were fit, like, all they all fit into, like, half a dozen different personality types. And I had driven out oh, yeah. everyone who was not a lazy villager type, which is... Lazy villagers who love video games and food. <laughs> and I guess... Your people! I guess Lucky maybe... I don't know if he was part of that. He was definitely not a sports-loving guy, but he's gone now, too, so it's 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 kind of sad. But uh, but Animal Crossing, I played the shitload of that, and... Oh, Assassin's Creed 4. I, I really started plowing into that. I was up until 2 a.m. last night uh, blowing up ships and, and yeah. stealing their rum and their sugar and their metals and all that shit. That is you gotta a, that, do that shit, my friend. I'm having a good time with that game. I've put it. A, I've maybe put like four or five hours into that game, and maybe actually more like about six hours. Uh, yeah, just really started playing it full bore just yesterday, actually. And mm -hmm. uh, when I first left off, I was still in Havana, and I was still just doing base. I hadn't actually even done the technically the first real story mission yet. Oh yeah. And since then, I've done like the first six. I've completed like the first two or three memory sequences. And sure, yeah. I, I they I'm literally just starting to do the all this uh, the sailing stuff. They just let me loose yeah. for the first time. I've got the the jackdaw. I'm upgrading the jackdaw. Just did the first couple upgrades to the jackdaw. Bought new guns and a new hull. I'm starting to hunt now. I'm starting to shoot monkeys nice. and iguanas in the face so we can nice. collect their hides. That's what you to, like to, to you know to build. My new... favorite is punching them to death. Oh, you can do that. Yeah, I should be surprised. Be careful. But man, you no, know, there was a monkey in a tree and I shot it in the ass with a blunderbuss. Yep. <laughs> and it just fell out of the tree, just kerplunk. Speaking of Orange Kitten. Hey, Orange Does she not, not look like the female lead from uh, The World's End? No, I disagree Put her face entirely. Up the that lady was really pretty, and you're a dumb. You're a dummy. What? Uh, so, <laughs> the, uh, 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 yeah, you know, I that game, I really did enjoy the hell out of the game. Enough so that I'm playing it on the PlayStation 4. Oh, that's right, because so. you can upgrade for 10 bucks, so it's not like you get to dish out an extra 60 bucks just to play it again, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing I've been playing is Final Fantasy VI. Oh, yeah? Well, on what platform? On the Vita. Yeah. Um. It was one of these things. As soon as I was, as, a, as I was done with Tearaway, I was like, "Oh man!" For some reason, I just got a real hankering to play an old Final Fantasy game, and I've never really played through Final Fantasy VI, so I just downloaded it. I had uh, had ten dollars free credit from uh, PlayStation Network for having bought a PlayStation Four, so I just used that on, um, yeah, just downloaded Final Fantasy VI and started playing through that for the first time. 
Oh, and fantastic. it's just, yeah, it still cracks me up. Like, yeah, even if there no more Vita games ever come out, the fact that you can play all these old PlayStation 1 games yeah. on the Vita, that in itself is fucking crazy. And granted, this is technically an old Super Nintendo game, but uh, regardless, like, yeah, you, you've got, like, this treasure trove of Final Fantasy games that you can play on a totally, great little yeah. portable device. Oh, man, I need to check and see if they have Crash Team Racing on there. You know what? They probably do. I wouldn't be surprised. Was it a PlayStation 1 game? Yeah. Yeah, you're pretty much guaranteed. Nice. Yeah, well, now you know what you're playing for New Year's, what your first New Year's yep. game is going to be. Your best exactly. of 2014 is going to start off with Crash Team Racing. So, Bill, do you want to talk about Santa Claus the movie? Oh, Santa Claus the movie. Speaking of the stuff I watched for Christmas, I found out that Santa Claus the movie was on Netflix Instant. Have you ever seen that? No. It was a movie produced by the guys who made uh, the, the first couple live-action Superman movies back in the 80s. And they put oh, okay. this together when the Superman movie started uh, tanking. And they were like, oh, man, we need to come up with another flying American superhero that kids love. And so, like, let's make a movie about Santa Claus. This got me thinking about it. The movie's terrible. Well, actually, the first half of the movie is actually pretty good. The first half of the movie is exploring the history of Santa Claus and how Santa Claus became Santa Claus. And how, mm-hmm. all, how, how, like, how he does everything. That's actually a good part of the movie. And the production design is great because... The visualization of his huge base up on the North Pole with all, where he works with all the elves is actually really cool. Uh, but the rest of the movie then turns into this thing about how one of uh, Santa's elves, played by Dudley Moore, goes renegade and and gives John Lithgow, who is an evil toy maker, uh, the secret recipe to the food that Santa feeds his reindeer that lets the reindeer fly. And so John okay. Lithgow, evil toy maker, he starts putting this stuff in candy canes. So kids who eat these candy canes start being able to fly. Okay. Except they find out when these candy canes are exposed to heat, people explode. Oh, no. <laughs> but that is, this, this is the stupidest part of the movie, which is funny, too, because this movie is uh, trying to be super, like, anti-corporate, talking about how Santa is the real source yeah. of Christmas magic and, like, this evil toy maker, corporate business stuff. That's not where the, the, the real spirit of Christmas comes from. But there's of all course. kinds of really blatant product placement for <laughs> McDonald's and Coca-Cola in the movie. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it, you can, you, it almost seems like they only have the modern-day toy maker part of the movie in there just just so they could squeeze in product placement in this movie because like i said if the movie was just about the history of santa claus it'd actually be kind of a cool movie but this kind of got me yeah. thinking about it's weird that that's, there's not more uh movies or tv shows or even christmas specials that don't explore the history of santa claus or, or yeah. aren't even just about santa claus him being such a popular figure Mm-hmm. You'd think that would be a bigger deal. And the only two things I've ever seen that are about it, the history of Santa Claus, well, technically three. There's Santa Claus the movie. There's Santa Claus coming to town, this Rankin-Bass uh, Christmas special uh, mm-hmm. from the 70s. And there's The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus written by L. Frank Baum like 100 years ago. And I'm sure there's other people and other things where they've tried to explore the history of Santa Claus or something like that. But in terms of, like books or movies or tv show you think that'd be more of a bigger deal especially now that we live in such a culture where the origin story of all this shit is constantly being regurgitated like in superhero movies and stuff like that i'm surprised yeah someone hasn't tried to do the same thing with santa claus that's a good point actually just run it out there maybe it's just because it's so it's the sort of thing that it's hard to put money into just because of well i don't know it seems like it's christmas you'd make a bank you'd make a million dollars every christmas if you made something good about uh, like a movie about santa claus 
Yeah. You think that would yeah. be the ultimate Christmas movie? No, like the ultimate Christmas movie is a Christmas story, which is weird. Well, Bill, there's your meal ticket, my friend. There's project for next year. I what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make a sequel to Little Women. <laughs> that's Gabriel Byrne. He gets really fat, and he abducts Winona Ryder, and they move to the North Pole, and they become Santa Claus and Mrs. Santa. There we go. I like it. I'm just saying. Oh, did you know that Thomas Newman did the soundtrack for that uh, Saving Mr. Banks movie? No, I did not. Did he? Just throwing that oh, out there it. as a fellow Damn Thomas it. Newman fan. Damn Which kind of breaks my heart because that movie looks terrible, but it's Thomas yeah. Newman. I love Mary Poppins no. music. But it's Thomas yeah. Newman. Just down, just download the soundtrack, Bill. Problem yeah, solved. I probably should just do that. Yeah. yeah. Alright, friends, we're going to take a little break. We'll come back for the Geek Quick Review and talk about our favorite games of 2013. Woo! <laughs> a snow news week you could see you can make that pun if you can make that pun any time of the year this is it uh sherlock holmes is now in the public domain tell us more you elucidate bill tell us more that was what you wrote <laughs> you tell me more motherfucker oh no so what happened was uh who's the guy who wrote sherlock holmes was it sherlock uh, holmes arthur conan doyle uh, so, okay, so there's this writer called named Leslie Klinger, and uh, he's famous. He's written a lot of uh, books. It, like, it, the, like he's, he's written, like, the annotated Dracula, the annotated Wizard of Oz, all these different uh, books that he, he, you know, essentially republishes the book with all these crazy annotations about how the book was written and about stuff about the text. He did a volume uh, that was, you know, the annotated Sherlock Holmes. And uh, the legal status of the Sherlock Holmes story has always been a little vague because those stories are old enough that they should have gotten in the public domain a long time ago, but but the estate of the Sherlock Holmes people, uh, the, the, the Doyle estate has gone after people stringently enough that people have still been paying royalties to the estate just to keep uh, from being sued by the Doyle estate. And so um, this Leslie Klinger guy did pay royalties to the Doyle estate uh, after writing the Sherlock Holmes book but I think he had paid $5,000 in royalties. And it seemed like the account was the, the situation was settled. After the book came out, the Doyle State came after Leslie Klinger and started... It sounds almost like extortion was like, okay, this book is now out. Now you owe us more money. And then like, Leslie Klinger oh. was like, oh, no, we didn't agree to this. I paid you $5,000. I thought it was like a flat fee. That's what you owe. And they're like, no, we think we're owed more money. And so I said, fuck you. I'm taking this court and we're going to find out whether or not this... Uh, Sherlock Holmes bullshit is officially public domain or not. Like, we're, this needs to be officially settled. You can't go around extorting people like this. And, yeah. uh, the, yeah, the settlement came back this week that the lawyer said, yeah, or the judge said, nope, yep, uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes is now public domain. Everyone can, uh, do what they want with that bullshit. So, the Doyle estate kind of shot themselves in the foot over that shit. By yep. being a little too greedy. Which, I can understand, like... I wonder if the estate is actually ran by the descendants of Doyle, or if it's some some, some kind of, like, maybe it's fallen into the, the rights for the uh, Sherlock Holmes stuff has fallen into a separate company or something, or what? Yeah, it's a good question. But after something's been about 100 years old, that's the point where I'm like, yeah, copyright should be public d d uh, domain for that shit. That that gets... Yeah, uh, there, there's 
been a long history of, of copyright stuff getting really shady, especially because Disney's done its best to try to extend copyrights for as long as possible. Uh, yeah. Because you know it's it, it's 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 all of its movies are so old now, and yeah, yeah, it's it's funny, it's it's fucked up how corporates corporations have have gone bent over backwards to extend copyrights far longer than they ever should have been. Oh yeah. But yeah, especially when the original creators are have been dead for decades, that yeah. copyright's not really helping anyone except for their descendants. Which at that point you want to say so descendants. Much. It's time to stop living off your, like, dead great-grandfather's property and go out and get a real fucking job. Anyway, how you doing? Bill, Bill I love when you're, uh, when you're anti-rich people. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that shit! Usually, even, like I said, even with the Peter Pan estate, the Great Ormond Street Hospital, it's it seems that within the last half decade they've given up their copyright claim on, on Peter Pan because... Uh, when, uh, what's his name died? The guy who created Peter Pan died, uh, like in the mm -hmm. 1930s. He, he bequeathed all the rights to Peter Pan to this children's hospital in England. And, uh, so, they've been going after people, anyone who did any kind of Peter Pan stuff. But, yeah, it's in the last five, four, like, four or five years, they kind of like suddenly stopped going after people. But at least that's a children's hospital. At least, you know, they could probably yeah. do something with that money, whereas it's just, like, kind of great, exactly. great grandchildren of people who are just like, ah. Don't use Sherlock Holmes. Give us money. Fuck you, man. Go fucking... Go work at Don't McDonald's. Back, Lick my balls. Merry Christmas. <laughs> fucking Ebenezer Scrooge ass motherfuckers. Uh, uh, I'm just saying, uh, when our descendants are trying to make money off of Boy Howdy Podcast 100 years from now... <laughs> good luck. When our children... Well, is did you is was it such a slow uh, news week that you just wrote them this down or is there a story behind the sentence buttholes are beautiful? Am I wrong? Prove me wrong. <laughs> really, sometimes when you're when you're making out with with, with your with your significant other <sighs> and sometimes you see that butthole, sometimes don't you think that's kind of gross? But at the same time, I can deal with it. That butthole I just saw. In other news, uh, this Christmas saw outages on PSN, Nintendo, and Steam. Um, yeah, Steam had a sale that broke Steam, which that's rare, because Steam's usually pretty hearty about that. It was called the Buttholes Are Beautiful sale. All the but most stinkiest, buttholiest games of the year were absolutely free. Yeah. No. They they were giving a left, left for, was it Left for Dead? Mm -hmm. uh, left for Dead 2 away for free, and that broke Steam. Oh. Yeah, what sucked is that it was on the day that um the Gone Home was on sale. Or was up for vote or something. Something for something. sale. Yeah. So I was like, Yeah, I saw what's his name? Steve Rogers. Wait, who's the guy who made Gone Home? Steve Gaynor. Who's Steve Rogers? Isn't the guy who, isn't that Captain America? Yes. Is Captain America made Gone Home? That's pretty open minded. You wouldn't think for the guy somebody from nineteen forty two would be like, I need to make this tale about this gay homosexual Lady. He'd surprise you, Bill. Do you want to finish your story? <laughs> what were you talking about? You were saying something about you saw Steve. Gaynor. Oh, he was talking about how much money they were making from the sales. He had just he was just randomly on Twitter this week saying, "Oh shit, we just we just like got our royalties from the Steam sale. Steam sales are awesome." Well, he was just looking at the. He was just talking about. He wasn't talking about money necessarily. He was just talking about units pushed. You know. Well, so, that, I mean, those I mean those units sold are probably the units that wouldn't have been sold. If they weren't on sale, I can understand the thing where like it's better to like you know you want to sell sell as much stuff full price as possible. But sometimes, 
I don't know. I don't know. And also, the, the, the more copies they sell of Gone Home at a super cheap price, that just, hopefully, if those people like that game, that builds up an audience in anticipation for whatever they do next. So... Bless them. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Prince yeah. Bride will be screening at the Academy Theater next week. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of great uh, older movies at the Academy, which is one of my favorite theaters in Portland. Damn, we got a good, we got a good bunch of movie theaters here in Portland. It keeps getting better and better. Mm-hmm. All the right, next segment. So we, <laughs> yeah, that was our abbreviated Geek Weekend review. Why we uh, even had now- it? I have no idea why. <laughs> Uh, but let's uh, look back at the year that was, the year 2013, and talk about the video games we played and our favorite ones therein. Well, you know, I had proposed that we talk about everything, but I didn't see any movies. I didn't read any books that weren't ladylike books. Or I didn't finish any books that weren't ladylike books. And uh, I have a about four months worth of unread comics sitting. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about like the best movies I saw this year were pretty much the movies I saw this year. <laughs> like it was like, <laughs> well, I saw Pacific Rim, I saw The World's End, I saw Gravity. I think the only movie I saw in a theater this year was Pacific Rim. Which, if you're gonna see one movie this year in a theater, that's a good goddamn choice. But still, like, yeah, oh man, uh, the one movie I regret spending any time watching was that goddamn Wizard of Oz movie. The one from yeah. uh, Evil Dead guy. That movie's fucking wretched. Even with uh, fucking What's Her Face in it. <laughs> Our girlfriend, Rachel Weiss. Yeah, Rachel Weiss. She's the bad guy. You think that'd be the best movie ever made? But no, you got James Franco. You got Mila Kunis just being Mila Kunis, bored, not even knowing why she's there. God damn, that movie's terrible. Oh, and you got fucking Zach Braff as a monkey. Oh, I forgot he was the monkey in that. Yeah, which actually, that character's not the worst, but that ain't no cowardly lion. You did have a cool little uh, porcelain girl who that was kind of a cool character. But whatever. Her her, her human being, her her an analogous character in that movie, she got like busted legs, which is a little too obvious of a of a metaphor, but whatever. Fuck that shit. <laughs> that's, that, that's, so, yeah. that's our best and worst of everything we did that wasn't video <laughs> there we games go. this year. That's everything that's not video hey, games. Breaking Bad was good, but you don't care about that. Oh man, yeah, TV. I can't even think of what TV I watched this year because we don't uh, pirate things anymore. We don't watch broadcast television. So really, all we watched was Adventure Time. Uh, we caught up with Gravity Falls, but even then, that wasn't Yeah, new that's episodes. last year, yeah. Although, that, actually, and... that broadcasted into this year. They were still airing new episodes until just, like, a couple months ago. Uh, I'm, uh, Bob's Burgers was good. Parks and Recreation but was I, good. I'm... I'm, like, way behind on Bob's Burgers. I've only really seen the first two seasons. And then it's, the it's, it's not like it's got any better season. or worse. It's just more Bob's Burgers. It's like turning it's on the faucet. It's not like last week's water was any better than this week's water. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that was, like, let me look. I wrote down a couple things, but nothing that's even that, um... Uh, uh, Orange is the New Black is probably the most... Oh, yeah. As far as things that were was on no one's radar before uh, this year, that turned out to be one of the best secret surprises. You had yeah. Arrested Development come back, which was still funny, but kind of disappointing for most people. I have already forgotten about That's it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and it's funny, when people are talking about Netflix now, it's all about Orange is the New Black rather than Arrested Development. Yeah, who knew that at the end of 2013 we'd be like, Arrested what? Yeah. And just focused on this weird other thing. I mean, you had Legend of Korra come back and you never even bothered to watch it. 
Um, yeah. Which, you know, actually still had some of the best Avatar stuff ever with the flashback episodes explaining how the Avatar was first created. That was actually that that was actually one of my TV highlights of the year. Doctor Who, the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special was great, but you don't care about Doctor Who anymore. Nope. Oh, spoilers for the Doctor Who special. They did bring back, or for the uh, Matt Smith's last episode, they did bring back What's-Her-Face Redhead for one shot. Oh, really? Amy Pong comes back for one. Yeah, she she oh. comes back for literally one shot to say goodbye to the Doctor, and that's it. And they play her theme, and it's all like, but there goes any chance of Doctor Annie ever watching any Doctor Who ever again. Yep, it's over. That's it. It's done. Dead. Yeah. So, yeah, no, what else? Okay, so video games. Yes, video games is all I have to talk about. Video <laughs> So, I could not pick a game of the year. There were too many good games that were important to me this uh, year. It's not but, just, uh, uh, it's, it's not just uh, uh, Last of Us by default? I It probably is. Last of Us, the, the games that I chose as, like, my games of the year were games that, for whatever reason, they stuck with me. Like, they just kind of stuck to my ribs. Yeah. And Last of Us is is arguably my most important game of last generation. Like, much less of Did the we year. figure out what we're sending to the company that made what we will decide is the best game of the year? Like, what the award's gonna be this year? <laughs> is there gonna be an award? Oh, yeah, last year, what, didn't we call it, like, the French fries or something? Yeah, or, it was, like, like the, the golden, golden something or something like that. Should the we, golden sub. Should we just bronze some baby shoes and send them for no reason to somebody? We just need to go flea market. What can we have? <laughs> oh, you know what? I have this Animal Crossing guide. You know, this is actually the best book I read all year. Was the Prima Animal Crossing <laughs> New Leaf guide. <laughs> oh, oh god. Um, but yeah, so um, well, let's just we can just take turns talking about our favorites. These are all games that inevitably we've discussed at length in the podcast. But uh, do you want to go first, my friend? Yes, Tearaway. It's the best game of the year. You didn't play it, so you're dead to me. I'm going to play it, you <laughs> asshole! It's funny, because Terraway's actually not that good. It's like Psychonauts, where it's good, but it's not like the end of the world fantastic. It's flawed, but it's great. Despite yeah, actually, flaws. even the main character, even the proportions of the main character is almost just like rat. Actually, no, I think about it. That actually game is kind of like... That is kind of like... Oh, I'm almost kind of surprised that game wasn't made by Double Fine, and though it's kind of sense mm-hmm. of humor and everything. Anyway, uh, you, were say, you were talking, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, no, um, I will play Tearaway, so I was going to say. So, Bill like Tearaway. Uh, Tomb Raider, as much as I haven't really thought about it that much afterwards. Granted, that game came out, just... like, nine months ago, so it's it's been a while since it but, came out. You know, really, I finished it, and I didn't really, you know, feel the need to revisit or anything like that. But it was just such um, a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Like, it was just such a... I mean, it was just... It could, for all the ways that it could have gone terribly, terribly wrong, it didn't for the most part. And really, if you removed the dumb, gratuitous, brutal deaths, um, it was probably yeah, it was definitely one of my favorite games of the year. It was just so such a solid little game. I liked it. It was the rare gritty reboot that actually felt like I I thought it earned its grittiness. It didn't feel just like a, a, a layer of dirt slathered on everything and call it good. Yeah. Uh, and the gameplay I found to be very, very enjoyable. I found that to be a very fun I, game to play. As time's gone off, I've kind of cooled on that game a little bit because I really did enjoy it when I first played it. I mean, this is the first Tomb Raider game I've actually really played, much less mm-hmm. beat. Um, man, I, right before we start recording, I happened to watch the announcement trailer for the, what, the Definitive Edition that's coming out for the Xbox yeah. One and PlayStation 4. Is it next month or the month after next? 
where they've changed like her face to look yeah more like the character like or like the voice actress which is unfortunate because it is a daintier less interesting face now it looks more like cartoon stereotype like lady model yeah. whereas be- which is, is a double shame because Laura Croft's uh, old face was such a uh, central part of the marketing for that Tomb Raider game. Yeah. Like, even, yeah. like, the, the gaming covers and stuff she was on, a lot of those gaming covers was just a close-up of her battered face. And so that particular face mm-hmm. was, like, what I kind of equate with Laura Croft now. And then, now, now they've completely changed her face. Now she's kind of back to pinched Barbie doll. She looks like the skinny uh, anorexic sister from uh, White Christmas is all I'm saying. But, no, anyway, the weird thing in that trailer was one of the last things you see in this trailer is Laura Croft going up to somebody grabbing them by a neck and unloading a machine gun right into his chest. <laughs> I'm like, that's, yeah. that's, maybe that's well, what, that... what you get when you're trying to marketing to the Call of Duty crowd, but like, that is not yeah. what you want to play that game for. That's like the interesting part of that game. And it just seems no, like really kind of tone much deaf. So, it's very much so a, uh, 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 I mean, it's Uncharted. Yeah. It's that say all the uh, advantages and flaws of Uncharted and uh, well, but yeah, I, but I enjoyed it because it's a lady Nathan Drake, and that's all I really see. Need. That's the thing I didn't like so much about the game was it was Uncharted without the interesting characters. Yes, agreed. That's absolutely not that the characters like, in the my... band were necessarily terrible, but they were all there was no equivalent of a cool Sully or a Chloe or Elena. No, like all of her was... buddies that she was trying to save were all very yeah. generic. Like, well, I'm a scientist, and I'm here to help, and please save me, Laura Croft. Yeah, and even like Laura her Croft awkward pseudo was... love interest and this and Sam, there wasn't really much to her. I liked Lara. I thought Lara was fine, but I'll say this: that game, I still enjoyed that game and think about that game, despite it having weak characters and a lame story. And you know that that's I know that's really your more important part. Yeah, games. yeah. So it's like if I enjoyed it when it had that when that part of it was bad, <laughs> then I got to give it. Some, no, but that some game credit. had really good set pieces. It, yeah. it was paced really nicely too. Like it had a nice mix of like combat with puzzle solving with uh, like exploration and stuff. And yeah, yeah, no, I had a really good time. I mean, that was a good like Uncharted that was not Uncharted. Like I'm just saying, if I had to look at the game, the way I kind of viewed it, it was like the games of 2013. That if I could only play these games from 2013, what would they be? Yeah, and Tomb Raider. And would be on and, that list. and my my criteria for game of the year stuff. Not that anyone really cares about whose game of the year stuff is what, unless you're uh, like a like video game magazine or a major website giving out awards. But whenever like I think about what I might look back as a game of the year any given year, it's always whatever game I just had the most fun of. And if you were to read yeah. off a list of games that came out that year, that year, that like in ten years from now, I might go, "Oh man, that was a great game." I would yeah. usually that's probably game of the year for me. Like, yeah. yeah. So like Fire Emblem, like I said, maybe not necessarily the best game uh, of all time, but like that was a really unique experience for me because that was only the second time I've ever played a turn-based strategy game like that. The first time being XCOM. And Fire Emblem being the second time, but like with all the cool character stuff layered on top of it, which was so unique for that. So yeah. I don't know. I'm glad yeah. you had a good time with Tomb Raider, though. Yeah, I need. I really do need to play Fire Emblem. Bill, one day I will play Fire Emblem and Tearaway, and then you're not allowed to ask me to play Zelda. <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah. I don't. This thing. I don't want to talk about Fire Emblem too much, but. Um, oh no! I mean, everything everything that people have said about it, it makes it pretty clear that it's the sort of game. That but I it enjoy. is like an officially underrated game, especially I was listening to the Giant Bomb Game of the Year podcast last night, and uh, Patrick Klepek was talking to the other guys about how last year uh, Giant Bomb voted XCOM as Giant Bomb's Game of the Year, and he specifically mm-hmm. said it's really weird that last year they would vote XCOM the Game of the Year, 
And while Fire Emblem came out this year, and it's not even none none of those guys were had even played or even talked about a Fire Emblem this year, despite the fact that it, Fire Emblem is just XCOM, but with great characters and writing layered on top of that. Which, that's yeah. a fucking slam dunk, because XCOM's a really nicely designed game, and so is Fire Emblem. But when you've got, like, the story in Fire Emblem isn't, isn't that interesting, but all these characters with all, like, you have 44 characters, all with very sharply drawn personalities, mm-hmm. and each character has unique dialogue and personality stuff written for every possible combination of other character they can interact with, both inside that's and so out great. of battle. Which, that's got to yeah. be hundreds of combinations of, like, the sheer amount of dialogue that must be in yeah. that game is ridiculous. And, like, yeah, you could easily play through the game and not even actually use a fraction of those 44 uh, separate characters, but... Yeah, that's crazy, uh, But yeah, like I said, just from a character and writing perspective, and those are some... Yeah, and the, like, the fact yeah. that they made character stuff a gameplay mechanic in such a mechanic-driven awesome. game... And the fact that like they, they introduced this thing where you could unite two different characters together, and the more those characters work together throughout the game, the closer they become friends. And if they happen to be mm-hmm. opposite genders, they can get they have the option of getting married and having kids, and that's just such a great thing. And like the, yeah, yeah, it's you can have the most dis, di, like emotionally disparate characters. If you force them to work together long enough, they'll fall in love, and have, talk about their kids. And have this whole yep. separate relationship, which is like, I just, that's just a great mechanic. It's like, it's like having yeah. two little act, like video game Barbie dolls and say, now kiss, and like mashing their faces together. <laughs> I don't know. Layered on top of this like uh, turn-based strategy game. So anyway, yeah. I'm going to shut up about Fire Emblem. But that, that probably is my pick of the year. Yeah. Yeah. What? So my next game is uh, Papers, Please. I was not expecting to like Papers, Please as much as I, as I, uh, I wasn't expecting to like it at all, really. I was talking to someone about it, and I was recommending it to them, and they demurred because they didn't want to play it because they thought it'd be too stressful. It is stressful. And I, that's why I didn't. That's why I didn't want to play either because I was like, I don't want to. It's like it's time sensitive, and I'm not very good at that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And but it's one of those games where the gameplay tells is part of the story, and uh, that stress is part of. Like, without that, the game would not be as effective. Mm-hmm. Um, in the way that Last of Us made fighting count, and at, you don't, you're not really super powered, and you have to be very deliberate, and so the tension, that tension became part of the tone of the game. Papers, Please is, is similar in the, the sense that, uh, you know, that, that concern about getting it wrong, you know, hearing that sound of the fax machine coming in with, you know, you've been dinged for missing yeah, something, exactly, you're like, yeah. son of a bitch, you know, and it's like, but then the, it was such a, like, such a deceptively simple game with such a great and effective soundtrack and um, great character designs, great art direction, and just really unexpectedly good, sharp writing and just very very cool like i it's a simple little game and i can't recommend it highly enough of of anyone it's going to be one of those games that even though there's not much to it on the face of it i'm going to be thinking about that one for years to come yeah any game character for the year just for that old man who keeps on coming up with the, the fake to documents i love that guy yeah. how so far good. did you beat that game I beat it a couple of I times i still have not beaten that game and in fact i've only played the demo i've watched other people play it uh, I think it was Cannon Heart again. I think he gifted that for me on Steam. That's one of the few games that uh, that I have on Steam that I didn't get around a chance to, to, to play more of myself this week. I mean, I've played it before, and I've played the demo a whole bunch of times. 
And well, uh, the nice thing about the game proper is that um, it saves automatically at the end of every day. Yeah. So if you fuck up or you want to just go, it's not a game. Like as much as I enjoy God Save the Queen, for example, um, or Long Live the Queen. I mean, uh, you, you it kind of forces you to do the same things over and over again. And I had I just created a save after the you know the opening cinematic and all these dumb things that you have to do every time. But with Papers Please, you can literally go back and you're like, well, things start changing on day eight, yeah. so I'm just gonna jump back and start over from day eight. And all the various little outcomes just seem very enjoyable. It's a game I, I like I said, I beat it, I think, four different ways. Yeah. And I want to go back and play it some more times just to see what else can that happen. That game also does have one of the best gaming moments of the year where at first you think the game really is just going to be like a puzzle match kind of thing where you're just trying to yeah. match, like, you know, clues to, this, like, information inside all these people's passports. And then the terrorists do attack your workstation, your workstation gets shut down and you realize you've been docked pay and it's going to be harder to feed your family at the end of that work day. You realize there's yeah. dynamics here that are even beyond your control. And it's yeah. actually, it actually is more of a fucked up simulator of what it might be, what it might be like to work in the situation. And it's not just a cute time management game. Yeah. yeah which that, that's a like, hell of a thing. It actually manages to very successfully say something about the, um, the passive evils of bureaucracy yeah. and like and the fuzzy morality of I, what you get you get into those there's situations. also the game cart life which everyone was flipping out about at the beginning of this year which seemed to yeah dissipate uh when papers please came out i think that is still only for let me see i'm gonna bring it up on steam i think yeah, it's still on windows only cart life yet. but uh, yeah, yeah like yeah pa- like cart life papers please was Cart Life was the papers please of last spring, and yeah, it's still only just Windows only. But anyway, um, but hopefully there'll be a Mac version this year. We could talk more about that. But that's another thing where, uh, yeah, it's a time management simulator, but like also bleeds into like you're making real life decisions about like your character's life. That's not just yeah. about the time management part of the game. But yeah, you know. yeah, I really was enormously impressed by that. Yeah. Also, great music. Dun, yeah, really great dun, music, man. Dun. Yeah, that game just that's has a great good. package. And, and also, that's proof of that you can still make a great game with just, like, a couple of people. Yeah. Like, that yeah. was a very small game. Like, the like the demo came out, like, the beta version and the finished version came out not long after that. There wasn't, like, this long, torturous gestation of that game and lots of mm-hmm. trailers. No, just, just, I don't know. Yeah, it was just, I, it's just, like I said, it's stuck to my ribs and it's a good damn game. <laughs> Bill, what you got next? Uh, Attack of the Friday Monsters. This, and this is that 3DS game, Yeah, this right? is the 3DS game where you play as this little kid living in 1970s Japan who is completely obsessed with kaiju monster TV shows. Who mm-hmm. gets... Who, <laughs> turns out kaiju are real and start attacking his town. And yeah. uh, it's very cute. Uh, I don't know if it's still on sale. Well, it doesn't matter because the Nintendo eShop is down right now. Even if it was up. Uh, even if it was on sale, you wouldn't be able to grab it. But it was on sale for only 5 bucks, which is cheaper because I think it was before it was like 8 or 9 bucks, which is a little steep because this game's only about 3 or 4 hours long. And all you are really doing is walking around this town, this town, yeah. tiny little Japanese town in like 1977 Tokyo, just talking to, mm-hmm. or in the outskirts of Tokyo, I should say, um, just talking to people uh, around your village and finding out that like this old man who lives in your town is actually this alien who's brought the kaiju to town and... You're trying to convince, mm-hmm. like, the people who produce this kaiju TV show at the TV station on the edge of town to, like, help out with repelling this alien invasion. And 
it's just very goddamn cute and charming and just like a very uh, small inoffensive slice of Japanese kid life in the late 1970s with giant yeah. monsters also mixed in and it's sure. just very, very 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 cute little charming game not necessarily the most interesting game of all time but just it's it's yeah just a cool little yeah little simulator little bizarro simulator of, of, of being a kid in Japan in the 1970s just kind of cool Mm-hmm. Attack yeah. of the Friday Monsters. So, what is the actual gameplay? Uh, the gameplay in... is really you mostly going around talking to people. There is a collectible uh-huh. card game that you can play with other kids in the neighborhood. That mm-hmm. you can't get part, you can't get past certain parts of the game until you've mastered this card game and actually beaten other kids. And you collect these items from from these other kids. Okay. But the, the game really is mostly <laughs> the gameplay is essentially the Citadel portion of the first Mass Effect, where you're just walking around talking to people, yeah. and instead of the action parts being shooting, the action parts are playing a collectible card game about kaiju, and that's it. Yeah. So yeah, um, but yeah, no, like surprisingly, especially the uh, the 3DS doesn't have a lot of crazy uh, exclusive original downloadable stuff. Right, and that's yeah, one of the rare ones where you can re- really recommend. Like that, that was a very cool little game. Hmm. Yeah, glad you enjoyed it, Billy. Yeah, hey, fun. Uh, next, now, yeah, I, and I, of course, like I, I've been talking about it nonstop. So yeah, The Last of Us. I just oh my god, can't. This is good, so good. I've talked about it at length. So uh, uh, Last it was of Us. The, if you need to know why, it was the to best. The... Bill, make a joke. I swear to Christ. Make a joke, my friend. A game that I just said was probably my game of the generation. A game that I have six framed pieces of art from in my house. It was I'm the best saying, game dude. where nothing interesting happened until the last 30 seconds of the game. Oh, snap. Bill, what's your next favorite? It was the best fungus-oriented so game. Put, uh, you said Saints Row 4? Huh? Tell me about Saints Row 4, Bill. Saints Row 4, that was the best game that is actually just... just yeah, I don't know. If you, did we talk about Saints Row 4 yet? We, we've talked about Saints Row 4 at length, but Saints Row 4, what was amazing about Saints Row 4 is that it was just Saints Row 3, but with just a new... Uh, with new gameplay mechanics, and um, that totally transformed the game. What a clever... Like, what a great unexpected thing that was. Uh, fantastic know? romance options. You get punched in the face by Kinsey. You get a blowjob from a flying robot. You get they live jokes. You get the fly around. It was around. kind of like the best kind of fan service, I will it say It was that. pretty good fan service. I still enjoyed that game more than GTA V, despite the, all the production values and the giant, well, immaculately designed world of Grand Theft Auto V. And yeah, Saints Row Four just has so much more heart than any of the GTA. And it's just fun. Yeah. The thing well, about the Mass the, Effect the, the... conversation stuff, I mean, that's part of the romance plot of that game. Or the, or the romance yeah. stuff. But, like, yeah, the fact that, like, half of the game is kind of like just a Mass Effect parody for no reason. And, yeah, you get to run around in a giant robot suit and blow stuff up. And the fact that you're actually kind of turning enemies into buddies. Yeah. Which the, I mean, like, they, they did that in, in, in other Saints Row games, too. But I just love the fact that you're turning, you're essentially just creating this giant family for yourself in the Saints Row games. Right. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I I would love to see more games about the boss and that particular bunch of people. But I could understand after this game they might have to reboot things because where the, where the hell do you go uh, from here? They did very clearly like this game felt like an ending, very much so. Like they very went they went out of their way to like kind of stitch up the entire Saints Row franchise, yeah. and you know it's I 
I'm, I'm, and also kind of, you know, spoilers, the planet Earth got exploded, <laughs> so bit, they're little, gonna have little, to do. Uh, yeah, a little kaplooey. Um, yeah, so. Man, Last of Us, that was a good game. I was thinking about how much it's kind of overrated, because that's everyone's default game of the year this year. That was a fun goddamn game. It's a fucking good game, I feel man. bad for I, uh... you pretending to joke about it being not interesting until the last year. I'm still a little personally irked that you couldn't make a decision at the end of the game about what Joel does. But man, I like, I don't know. I didn't retrospect. I had a good time with that game. I will give up narrative control when I know I'm going to get a good narrative. Well, it makes sense. Like I said, I did not care. I I don't know. We probably shouldn't still talk too much about the spoilers about the end of The Last of Us, but about the decision we're specifically talking about. But I do like the fact that Joel's decision makes sense objectively. It may not be the decision that the player agrees with, but within... No... But within, like, if, if this were like, if this were a book, that ending would still make sense, though. It's, 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 it, yeah, it doesn't betray Joel's story just to make you feel better as a player, which I still really Exactly. Think. And also yeah. just Ellie, just even everything else aside from that game. I've seen people talk about how the combat and the ga- actual gameplay in that game is not very good, which is bullshit, because I really enjoy the gameplay in The Last yeah. of Us. Yeah, and like I said, it the difficulty and the clunkiness absolutely makes sense. It's hard to compare it to, like, a shooter because it's not a... It's not a shooter. Like, they don't want you to be an all-powerful badass. You're an old, broken old man. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not a superhero. They could have had some more crafting options or maybe made it... Sure. Uh, give, given you a couple more objects to interact with in the environment that wasn't just beer bottles and bricks. Which, sure. every time you walked into an environment and, and suddenly saw there were beer bottles yep. and bricks everywhere, you knew it was going to be a combat area. Which, that was right. a little unfortunate. But aside from that, for a first stab effort from Neil Druckmann and those guys, a brand new IP this you know this late in a seven-year-old console cycle, man, that shit was fucking good times, man. And it showed that people, as much as the PS3 is apparently very hard to program for, that people who knew what they were doing with it could get like amazing, amazing stuff out of that system. Yes. My God! Ooh, Last of Us. By the Last of Us, Last us of being us. good games of that whole console generation. <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, Gone Home, of course, was one of my favorite games. Oh my God. Just holistically, just being a, uh, I've always wanted a first-person exploration game that told a narrative through the environment. I've always wanted that since I played Mist. That's what I thought Mist was when I first heard about it. And when I booted up Mist, I was so disappointed. And Gone Home makes good on the lie that Mist told me like 20 years ago so uh god damn gone home i know we've talked about your issues with it but fuck fucking love that game yeah i feel a little bad because even uh, on twitter i was bragging about my favorite games in the year and i forgot that like carla follows me on twitter so i felt a little bit a little bad for not including i still like gone home is a great game it's just not it's not it's one of my a... favorite games of the year but it's still a great game i still really enjoyed can... my time with it i can i can respect yeah that. and wrong. it's funny because like <laughs> My only problems with Gone Home are just, like, in the writing. I just don't like the ending of it. Like, and... What I love about the ending is that it's an ending that seems like a happy ending, but the more you look at that's it, the more it's That's why I don't like really it. I'm just like, yeah. Unha- like, no, that's, that's, not a, that's not a good ending for those characters. That's terrible. What would you have be a good ending? Well, and if you say kill, one or the other kills themselves, then I would beat the shit oh, out I of you. I want them to be ghosts in the attic. No, you know what, I, secretly, I was really, I, you know what, actually part of the reason why I'm kind of down on Gone Home 2 was because uh, right up until literally, like, maybe 20 minutes before the ending, you're finding all these documents where it's seen, what are the two characters, is, is, is it Sam and Lonnie? 
Uh, yeah. Whereas Sam and Lonnie seem to have reached this agreement where they've decided that they can't run off. It doesn't make any sense for them to practically, like, they, they, they just, are, neither of them are in the position in their lives where they can just run off and be with each other because it's not realistic. And it's one of those things where I was like, that is a surprisingly grown-up thing for two teenagers freshly in love to to that uh, that th- that is profoundly grown up just 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 attitude to take and i was like man if that's uh, that's actually how this game ends that's going to be really interesting because like that's not the fun romantic ending just saying yeah, I mean, you know I, what it's it just like like to say that we, we just this just can't work now maybe later maybe some point after we're both done with our obligations in life maybe we can get back together sometime i think that would have been the braver choice rather than just them just running off and yay happy ending it would have been so but then it turns I mean, right after that into oh no they did run off and ruin their lives and it's, it's just like well, it's, man that's just disappointing how, it's the most cliche possible ending for that game but it's like to have them be like oh we're no longer dating is like the least climactic thing you can do exactly like, well it's the like the of... ending of the, well you can say the same thing about the ending of the Ma- of last of us where it's just a conversation no. where it's just one character lying to Disagree. the other Disagree. i'm not saying it's exactly that, as, as potent as that ending but i'm just saying that like for a game for a gone home a game that is all about fucking expectations for it to, at the very end to for that the end of that story be Oh, and then they ran off together and lived happily. Not that they ever say they ha- live happily ever after, but like, I just thought that ending sucked. I'll say so. Uh, real quick on Last of Us, the reason why the ending of The Last of Us is simple and quiet as it is, it's perfect, is it's because it's about this carefully built relationship that you've seen develop over the course of this game. You see it break. You see the moment when it breaks. Yeah. And the thing about Gone Home, I, I don't know. I I cannot judge it objectively just because I am tired of unhappy gay stories. That's literally the reason why I did Ladylike. And there are few enough happy endings in with gays in this world, much less with teens. See, I think that is I an unhappy be... gay ending. Well, see, no, but that's what I, what I like about it is that things are going on and it has all the trademarks of a happy ending, but then you look at it a little closer and it's like, well, now Lonnie is um, a deserter from the army and she can and will be arrested from that. Yeah. And Sam stole all of her family's electronics. <laughs> <laughs> I stole and, like, the totally TV! Gently shafted her family. I don't know, man. I just, yeah, that's not a good ending. And, 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 and it's a dark ending cloaked in what everyone seems to think is a happy ending, which is almost even that like doubly crappy it, ending. It's like even extra, just like, oh, no, you guys are being fooled. This is not a good way to end this story or a satisfying way uh, to end the story in both fronts. It's kind of disappointing. We will agree to disagree on that one, my friend. What's your What's your next Anyway, no, I mean, I just do like the idea. Not, not that them being broken up by society would be a great idea. But, like, the idea that they they would still have a commitment to each other and still say, we can't run off together now, but I will keep you in my heart, and hopefully after four years, after you're done with your, your, your military shit, and after I'm done with school, we can meet. Even if they just had set, had a date, like, on this date, we will get together, and, if, and, you know, life might get in the way, we might grow apart from each other, but still say, hey, at least still make a commitment. That would have been more interesting than, let's go off. I don't know. Man, I, you're just right now in this moment. You remind me of what playing the Walking Dead episode with Foley. Yeah. So Clementine is now ten, and in this opening sequence, she's uh, a, a series of very dumb mistakes are made, and she was just furious. She's like, "This is the no, that is the worst survivor skills possible." And I was just looking at her, going, 
She's a 10-year-old girl. <laughs> she's an idiot. I don't care if she's a 10-year-old girl who grew up I in this, know. this intense environment. They're young and dumb. And when you're young and dumb, you make young and dumb Annie, decisions. what I'm saying is, as a 38-year-old straight male, I can't believe these fictional <laughs> video game gays made a different decision than I would have. Was walking dead fully's like you never put down your weapon you always fought for things blah 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 and i'm like you know what kid oh god fully fully the version of the walking dead starting fully would be a very different <laughs> game everyone would be dead immediately I because see, fully would have just the title screen would be annie or fully just giving the worst muppet mouth at everybody just like so <laughs> frowning just like what the hell's wrong with you assholes <laughs> Actually, no. Oh Actually, a Walking Dead game starring Fully would be hilarious because it would her be her just carrying around my broken, freaking out ass all the time. <laughs> be the best. Anyway, Bill, what's your next game of the is, year? Is uh, Clementine, now that she's 10, is she tweeting about her breast issues now? <sighs> Bill, what's your next game of the year? Bill? It was Tearaway. <laughs> Should I freak out about Tearaway for another 20 minutes? Sure, if you want to. Uh, yeah. My the only thing I was gonna say about Terraway, like I said, it's a game that also encourages you to make your own papercraft models of all the characters in the game, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like it's the only game that makes good and in a satisfying way on all of the technical possibilities of the Vita. Also, it is a game about you, in a way that is really rare. You have to play that game because it's a game is all about like trying to make you feel important and good about yourself. You as a player. Yeah. Which that is rare. Those are things that yeah, need. because well, yeah. the game, the whole pretense of the game is that you're playing the, the like the game, the world of Tearaway takes place in your Vita, even to the point that some of the platforms and stuff are are face buttons from the Vita, so that when you push that button, that lowers that uh, Vita button within the game world, so the oh, character wow. can jump up on it and do stuff. And so no, it's like the the way the characters are interacting with each other and with you is the idea that they know that you're watching you watching them. That as you're manipulating and playing with them, which that's again really unique, especially for a portable game. Anyway, but that's Tearaway. Spoilers. That's awesome. even more than I wanted to talk about that game because that game's got a great story and a great ending. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. What else? Um, uh, Black Flag. Black Flag. Totally surprised me. I wasn't even gonna buy it. I was just yeah. Gonna, no, everyone like, was gonna skip that. Even me. So bad. It is one of my. It is my favorite in a franchise that is one of my favorite franchises. Yeah. So well done, folks who made Black Flag. Um, is 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 Edward Teach in there, or do they call him Edward Thatch? Uh, they call. I mean, he's Blackbeard. Is he Blackbeard? I, they, they called him. Okay. I have my subtitles. Also, on James Kitt shows up, Teach. and it's obviously a woman that no one seems to like realize is a woman. There's there's a part where Kenway is talking to James Kidd and is like, oh, I know all about your secrets. And James Kidd's like, mur, mur, mur. And like, are they fucking with me? Kidd is one of my favorite characters in that game, so... I can't imagine why. It's kind of like a friend. big bucket jawed, kind of like lesbian lady who's pretending to be a pirate. Or pretending to be a man being a pirate very badly. It's always like, it's, it's like are you pirates fucking insane? Anyway... What did crack me up is that when they introduced James Kidd, his um, collar is, like, he's got this, this V-necked on his coat, and then his collar is all kind of bunched up underneath. And I turned to Foley, and I'm like, you know that when Kidd is revealed to be a woman, they're gonna, like, whoop! 
and, like, abruptly we're going to be able to see all that chest action going on, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I will say this, the moment when she reveals herself is one of my favorite moments in the thing, oh, yeah? and you will see why. She does something so ridiculous that made me so happy. It's really good. If I, I'll, I'll let you I may be crazy, that. but I think, uh, uh, was it William Kids? Uh, their flag, I think that was the actual, the flag that's the stereotypical, like, crosswords with the, the, the skull that kind of be, is everyone's, like, kind of stereotypical pirate flag design, too. So. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, but yeah, no, I, I like that, yeah, just, I like that one conversation I've had, uh, I've had between, w- w- with, with Kid, where it's like, oh, all your secrets, and I was like, yeah, I couldn't quite tell if the game was fucking with me or not, because it seems so... Well, what I like, what I like about Assassin's, uh, what about Black Flag is that it is a game where clearly developers know all the shitty bad things about the Assassin's Creed game yeah. and games and either tries to address them or at least be a little self-aware of them. So, I like mm-hmm. that. Oh, game. Black Flag. I the weirdest it. thing in Mario no, 3D World, now that it's in HD, you get to see that Luigi actually has little breasts. Turns <laughs> out he's been lying the whole time, too. Lu- his real name is Luisi. Short for Lucy. Hey, Bill, you want to tell me about Mario 3D World? Yeah, it's great. It's one of your favorite games of this year? Yeah, no, it's fucking beautiful. The year Luigi is the year that Luigi comes out to everybody and says, I am woman, hear me. Insert Koopa stomping sound here. Why'd you like it, Bill? <laughs> What'd you like about it? It's good. It's Mario. It's pretty. It's, uh... It's it's a good mix between the open world exploration of like Mario sixty four and the Super Mario Galaxy games with the more linear, more directed, more focused uh, style of the old eight bit platforms, eight uh, uh-huh. bit Mario platformers. Um, kind of just mixed in this nice hybrid of, uh, you know, you can still run around and explore these stages and stuff, but still you, the ultimate goal is just to get to that flagpole at the end of the stage. Uh, yeah. Mixed with the fact that you can still do multiplayer stuff, which is still fun with people. Beautiful. Is it couch co-op? Yeah, it's couch co-op. Totally. Yeah. Uh, one. Nice. Uh, you, I think at least one person needs to be uh, uh, using the gamepad, but the other person could be using either a pro controller or just a Wiimote turned on its side. You have. You can use pretty much every possible controller interface with, with that game as you want. Nice. And like I said, yeah, the graphics and the the, 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 the it, like the, the, that's the actual most impressive thing to me about the game. The game is fun to play. Uh, but the fact that, yeah, the, the game looks like what you thought the Mario world would have looked like in your imagination when you were playing those games when you were 10 is the most yeah. impressive thing. The graphic design of that game is fantastic. And I didn't realize there was an extra unlockable character. You can play as Rosalina, the queen from the princess from oh, really? Mario Galaxy. So you can actually, there's two female oh, characters that you can play as. Two male hey. characters and one androgynous fucking weird ass toad thing that you can play as. So just throwing that out there. Good I don't know what there. Rosalina's special power is to boat. She can't float like princess, so she's completely useless. But I don't know, it's a good game. I'm I'm running around the Star World right now, unlocking things after I've beaten the game. So no, that's that's another thing I was playing this week was Super Mario Galaxy or uh, uh, Super Mario World. I went back to that. So my next game, 2013, is Kentucky Route Zero. Um, I just loved, I, I, I have a soft spot for magical realism, I do, and I thought it was a pretty uh, good use of that genre, but that art direction, man, it was just so enjoyable, and it was like a old school point-and-click adventure that was a poem, I mean, it was just like, visually it was so satisfying, I liked the writing in it, I still haven't played the second episode, but that was a game I share with my wife, and I really, really Did loved it. Did they come the out with the second episode? Yeah, I know. How many episodes yeah. did they come out with? Did they finish the whole game? No, they 
think they're going to be a total of five episodes. They've released two, oh, okay. and there's a demo that is an independent uh, experience that adds to the game. And they just released a thing called the, I think it's called the Entertainment, that is a play written by a character in the world of Kentucky Route Zero that is a free downloadable. So yeah, that doesn't bode well because I remember when that game first came out. That's all everyone would talk about. And the second, if the second episode came out, I didn't even hear about that. That that's that does that's not good. It came out a while ago. It came out like in the, the summer or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but still. So. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Kentucky Route Zero. Another game that kind of surprised me, and I just. I love the aesthetics. Yeah, gorgeous, of it. I gorgeous the, graphics um, and sound design, especially the sound design yeah. in those in that in that thing was fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah, really, really enjoyable. Good, good talking. That was a good break we just yep. had there, right there for no reason. What's up, Bill? Oh, what, now it's what, my turn. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Legend of Zelda, like everyone says, it's one of the best Zeldas just because they went back to the old uh, formula from the 16-bit game, but added the fact that you can uh, complete the dungeons in any order. Uh, really, I like the game so much because it has fantastic music. It's yeah. orchestrated versions of all the old uh, classic uh, Zelda music. But actually, it seems to actually be recorded by like a live band or something this time, too. It's not even just like some kind of fake synth MIDI music or anything like that. But it was really good. That's so fantastic. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a good Zelda game. We shouldn't even talk about because I was just going to bore you. Everyone else has heard about how great that game is. And if you don't care about Zelda, there's nothing here that's going to change your mind. It's not like suddenly like, oh my god, the character depth is so amazing. Oh my god. The ending is kind of sweet, though, because it's all about you find out like about this... Uh, dark mirror version of Hyrule Kingdom where there's kind of a dark mirror version of Princess Zelda and a dark mirror version of Link and it's kind of a sad story mm -hmm. at the end actually because uh, they are left, uh, their, their shit gets all destroyed and it's all kind of sad but yeah, anyway mm -hmm. uh, My last game of 2013 is Ridiculous Fishing oh, uh, which yeah. is an iOS game it's a fucking great game. I had heard people talking about it. I was like, okay, I'll have to give this a shot. Also, one of the developers, Zach Gage, did my favorite word game for iOS, um, a Spell Tower. So I was like, okay, well, yeah, I'll give this a shot. Also has beautiful art design. Also has really great sound design. It's a dumb, I need to go back like and play more Ridiculous game. Fishing. I, I beat it, and it's great. The end of it, in as much as you can beat it, the end of the story, as much as there is a story, is a comic. Yeah. I've heard they, good they things show. about that character and that story. Yeah. And it's got a dumb little mechanic where there's, like, a Twitter within... Because you have your phone in the game, and that's where you buy things. You use your map to figure out to go next. But there's, like, a Twitter in there, and the characters in the game are posting the Twitter. I actually fired it up the other day, and there were, like, 30 tweets from all the various characters in the world. But, yeah, the game is you are a fisherman, and you, um, you know, you throw your lure in, and you have to, um, if you can manage to use the... Um, the motion controls in the device to allow your lure to go as low as possible without hitting anything. And then as soon as you hit something, you start pulling up. And on the way up, you try to grab all the fish you can while avoiding um, some bad fish. But that's and then not even the, the best it, part. He, yeah, he flips, he flips all the fish out of the air and they come falling towards you. And as they fall towards you, you shoot them with the various guns. <laughs> Everything from a shotgun to an Uzi. It's fantastic, yeah. It's so good. It's such a fun, fun game. I, I really surprised that me. That game is so ridiculous, that. they should almost call it Ridiculous Fishing. <laughs> R-I-D-I-K-K-L-U-S. Ridiculous Fishing. It's a fun, fun game. Uh, it's, I think it's the most fun I've had on iOS this year. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, man, I totally gave up on Tiny uh, Death Star 2, speaking of which. 
It got to oh, the point you? where it was taking more than a day to complete a uh, any new uh, level in the game that I was building. That's just way yeah. too fucking long just to open up, like, ice cream parlor shop themed by Star Wars. So, yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> stopped playing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else? What else? What's your last game, Bill? My last... Did we just happen to have the exact same number of games? Did that just work uh, out? I don't... I guess okay. so. Uh, my last uh, favorite uh, gaming thing that came out this year was Mass Effect 3 Citadel, the DLC. Um, mm-hmm. This is how Mass Effect 3 should have ended. Um, blah, I'm sh- if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard uh, us freak out, out. freak out about our issues both with the original Mass Effect 3 ending, and we both uh, freaked out about how great Citadel was. It's a shame that Citadel got overlooked when it, everyone started talking about best gaming stuff. Uh, of the year, especially like e- even in uh, websites and podcasts that have a best DLC of the year uh, nominee, mm-hmm. it seems a lot of people forgot about Mass Effect Citadel, which is a shame because that's one of the best Mass Effect missions. Where spoilers, if you haven't played it yet, you fight uh, Shepard's evil clone, yeah, and then throw a house party with all of your <laughs> with all of your Mass Effect buddies, where everyone gets drunk yeah. and you just have the best conversations with. Like, really, the last ha- the last two hours, the whole last half of that DLC, the first ha- first half is fighting and shooting and uh, fighting your evil clone, which that's also, off the cuff, just very silly and ridiculous. And then the mm-hmm. second half is, yeah, just hosting this party, talking to people, getting drunk, dancing, and it's just a great yeah. capper to all the character-based stuff in that trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't put it on my list because, to be honest with you, as much as I enjoyed it, <gasps> what? for me, I felt... I felt like I had done. I was done with Mass Effect. This is your gone home. I had mourned this is your gone home right here. Where you, where you, of, this is, oh my god! I can't believe you just I, fucking said that. I, I mourned. I had. I had mourned the loss of Mass Effect, and it was weird to go back to these characters and go back to this place. And I'll say it. I thought it was almost too fan servicey. Fuck that shit. Like, There's I no felt such a thing. There too fan serviced. No Mass Effect, the ending of the original Mass Effect 3 was so fucking bad that they needed the extra fan service in this just to kind of smooth things over. Oh, agree. I'm not disagreeing at um, all. I'm not saying that Mass Effect is better off without Citadel. Really, honestly, my my one of my disappointments in Citadel was that I wanted to have the... Um, I enjoyed all the stuff with Shepard having closure with his characters, but almost as much as I wanted that, I wanted characters having closure with each other. Like, I was a little disappointed about the lack of characters interacting. Like, obviously, during the party, they've broken up and everything like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't know. It just... Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. But, uh, yeah, I had, it's kind of how I feel about Harry Potter, where it's like, as much as I would enjoy more Harry Potter, don't get me wrong, I'm done with Harry Potter. I've moved... I've, I've mourned its loss. I've moved on. So you're not going to be going and, to watch uh, this prequel play? Well, of course I will, Bill. I'm, I'm a Harry Potterist. I'm not gonna not. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I like your thing where you just get done with something. You are fucking done with it. You cannot enjoy any more of it. Not that you can't yeah. enjoy any more of it, but you really just do, like, turn off that tap. And you're like, nope, this is, a, this is it. There are some things that I can revisit, and those are things that you know that really mean a lot to me. Like, I can watch Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid a million times, I can watch Kingdom of Heaven a million mm-hmm. times, and I can replay Uncharted's and all those things a million times, and uh, Prince Persia Sands of Time. But yeah, most most things, when I finish them, that's it. They're consumed, I'm done, I'm moving on. It so, is true, I mean, if you beast. eat a ham sandwich, you not, should not spend the rest of the year thinking about Man, this sandwich is going on my best sandwiches of the year list. 
Well, Bill, speaking of, here's our next segment, Sandwiches of the Year. Uh, my not best sandwich of the year was the sandwich I got the other day where the sandwich artist was trying to flirt with me and therefore didn't pay attention to anything that I asked for this? and gave me a total random other sandwich. Yeah. No, where at? It was at a Subway. I went to oh, Subway it really was a sandwich artist. Yeah, yeah. I don't use that term lightly, Bill. He did you flirt black amateur. or did you f- flirt back? No, no. They were that flirty. They were just totally not paying attention to like... And my wife was right there. I had to finally say something like, honey, what do you Maybe want, This person just moved wife? to Portland doesn't realize that a lot of girls here are gay. Uh, I don't know. Oh, that's yeah. unfortunate. It really... So it was a terrible sandwich. It... Uh, it was just not the sandwich I wanted. Therefore, it's not my sandwich of the Aww. year. Annie, it's it's rare that you get to anyone gets to complain about the sandwich wasn't right because I was so hot I mystified the person who made it. Oh, baby girl, that's not what it was. I'm pretty sure he would flirt with anyone who uh, vaguely looked feminine who walked in the door. Oh, really? Just saying, he hit on Foley too. He he, he hit on he flirted vaguely with the other person who was working there. I don't, you guys could have had a gay ice cream a, sandwich that night. What's the problem? It here? was not a precise hit. I'll say uh-huh. that. So yeah, those are our games of 2013. In summation, Bill had Fire Emblem, Attack of the Friday Monsters, Saints Row 4, Last of Us, Tearaway, Mario 3D World, A Link Between Worlds, and Mass Effect 3 Citadel. I had Tomb Raider, Papers, Please, Last of Us Gone Home, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag, Kentucky Route Zero, and Ridiculous Fishing. As much... Highly recommend you partake of all of those games. Yeah, as much as I make fun of Last of Us being on everyone's, topping everyone's game of the year list just this year, Last of Us is the only game that both of us doubled up on on our list. Yeah. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 boom. Well, actually, that's a good point. Yeah, without, yeah. without even thinking about it, we, we chose an entirely different roster of games for each of us. That's that. Yeah. that I didn't even think huh. about that until that. That is fucking weird. Huh? Yeah, because usually we're we're like very uh, yeah. Sympathetic. So now we're gonna spend the next two hours talking about a game of the generation, which is <laughs> Excitebots for the Wii. <laughs> oh man, I forgot about Excitebots. Uh, wow. We. Uh, I I love that Annie's down with Game of the Year talk, which like one the couple times I've brought up, we should talk about Game of the Generation. Annie's just like, fuck that noise. <laughs> Well, I just don't, I had a, it, it, to be honest with you, the idea of looking back at every single game I played on the PS3 and Xbox yeah. is kind of exhausting. Well, it doesn't matter because Game of the Generation is Fable 2 anyway. You know what? I would definitely say that was my favorite game on the Xbox 360. Yeah. yeah. Objectively, the yeah. Game of the Generation is probably Minecraft or Angry Birds, just, just based on sheer popularity. Well, sure, um, but we're talking about our games. And neither of those generation. games are console games, or at least never didn't even generate on the consoles, which is an interesting thing. Fable 2, beyond being just a really great and fun game, uh, is going to get a shit ton of points from me because it was the first game that my wife and I played together. Fable 2? And was one of... Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's... Uh, so th- that experience was one of my favorite gaming experiences of all time. Easily. And also Hammer. I like the ending. Hammer! Man, god damn it. What a Fable. goddamn series to get flushed down the fucking toilet, too. God damn. When uh, there's so much unresolved all... stuff going on in that world. And the great stuff with Teresa. Yeah, no. So and, like, none of that even uh. got even broached in, in Fable 3. They spent all the money trying to get Simon Pegg into the recording studio, and they couldn't, like, spend any money writing <laughs> the game. Pretty Stephen much. Fry. Jesus Christ. So we maybe someday when Annie gets really drunk, I'll browbeat her into finally doing a game of the maybe a year from now. Once the generation is officially dead, 
we could start making claims about what the best game of the generation was. Bill, I tell you what, my end of 2013 gift to you is I will really start thinking about games. Well, we got a whole year to think about it now. After a whole other year's new batch of Boy Howdy podcasts. We're just regurgitate <laughs> talking about the same three games over and over again. Well, we do have yep. listener feedback about stuff. Oh, yes. So, um, uh, iHeartDRM gave us uh, his thoughts and feelings on uh, Games of the Year. Good old Jacob. Uh, Jacob's games were, um, he said, The Last of Us. Uh, he says, Joel is an awful human being. To me, that's not a debate. It's not a discussion. And his actions are in no way justified. Also, the winter section, I was desperately hoping he had died. Even after wow. Ellie said she needed penicillin, I held on to a little bit of hope that he was gone and Ellie would be free. I never saw Three anyone that much actually just actively hate Joel. Yep. Free to live how she wanted, free to die. Because anything would be better than having to live with what Joel would do for her, and I had no idea how right I was. That's what I liked about Joel, though. I liked that he was a terrible person. That was what I liked about him so much. I found that a very believable arc, and an arc I could identify with and relate to extremely. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, I may actually, uh, Jacob, I may uh, uh, skip through these a little bit, but um, Vagrant Story which is actually a PS1 game. Uh, Yasumi Matsuno is the best writer in traditional video games, hands down. It's not that his games never use traditional video game tropes, it's that he uses them well. Add to that his penchant for designing weird and fascinating, and in this case, kind of broken and hard to understand, game systems. And you have someone who, for my money, is hands down the best game designer working now, or 13 years ago when this game came out on the PS1. Is that the guy who uh, game... was the original director of Final Fantasy XII? I don't know. I'm gonna, look up, I'm gonna Google him right now. Do it. As for the game, it's frankly only... Uh, it's, its greatest achievement is, oddly enough, its cutscenes. The cinematography and animation is top-notch even today. And frankly, only Naughty Dog games do it as well as this ancient PS1 game. The gameplay is a sort of bizarre Japanese take on Fallout's VAT system, though better executed with a focus on resistances that make the game as a whole either seem impossible or extremely easy, depending on your opponent and what sort of weapon you're using, and the occasional block puzzle. If you're going to play it, it's six ninety nine on PSN for PS Vita... PS3 and PSP, I would recommend using a guide. I won't say anything about the story except that it's very good and exceptionally well told. Yeah, I've always heard... I want uh, to say... Yeah, from the day that uh, Vagrant Story came out, I've always heard nothing but glowing things about it. In fact, when Final Fantasy XII was first announced, when they announced that the guy who had done Vagrant Story was uh, going to be in charge of Final Fantasy XII, everyone was like, oh man, this might actually put Final Fantasy back on track. Of course, that guy flipped out, lost his mind, and had Final Fantasy XII taken away from him. But that guy seems pretty goddamn cool, though. I, now that I think about it, I played some of Vagrant Story. I didn't finish it, and I didn't get very far. And I agree. I remember thinking that the models were an excellent use of the limitations yeah. of the system. And, um, yeah, even at the time, I remember thinking that animation was fucking fantastic. Was... And what I liked about it was the art direction. Yeah. When I was done with actually. Tearaway, when I was looking for an old uh, 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 Final Fantasy game to, uh, to buy and check out on the Vita, I almost actually bought Vagrant Story uh, any, uh, instead because I always heard great things about that game. Uh, it was super cheap and, but it was one of those things where I, I just wanted to see what a 16, uh, or an old uh, 8-bit or 16-bit uh, Final Fantasy game looked like on the Vita. So I went ahead and bought Final Fantasy mm-hmm. 6 instead, but the next game I'll probably buy will be Vagrant Story. And man, I wish they had, yeah, that. I wish they had actually... Final Fantasy 12 on the Vita. I'd play the shit out of that. <sighs> Final Fantasy 12 is hands down my favorite Final Fantasy Didn't game. Didn't you play like 200 hours of that? 
Yeah, something close to that. Yeah. And uh, honestly, what's funny is that the reason why I enjoyed it so much, I actually did enjoy the story, I did enjoy the world, but it was a, a game where the gameplay I genuinely found to be so enjoyable. I just I just went with it. So good. Um, uh, he goes on to say number three is The Swapper. I've heard good things about this. I heard uh, this week, so it was on someone else's 2013 list, I've heard but this, yeah, I hadn't a couple heard people of it before mentioned that. It this week, yeah. I said, don't have much to say about this one, just imagine Alien as a portal-style puzzle game, but the horror is existential. Say more than that would ruin it. Have to give it a shot. Uh, analog Hate Story. Damn it! I should have put Analog on my list. Retroactively, I'm putting Analog Hate Story on my list. Uh, the game Ken Levine seems so desperate to make oh, snap. a smart and accurate burn. A smart exploration of a fallen society as told entirely through emails, diaries, and a set of two AIs who comment on what happened from their wildly different perspectives. And it does without uh, it does so without using racial imagery as a cheap way to develop its villain. Oh, snap. Setting. You do, Annie. You do realize that power, absolute power, corrupts absolutely. Even <laughs> angry black women. <laughs> Which is, that's, uh, that's papers, my please. takeaway from... I, that's funny. Neither of us mentioned Bioshock Infinite on either of our lists. I know. That would be... My biggest surprise is that Bioshock Infinite totally landed like a sack of dead fish. It's funny because, like, as much as people were kind of disappointed when the game came out now, it's funny how everyone's like, fuck that game. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. It was a beautiful, yeah. dumb game. That's all it feels down yeah. to. Um, papers, please. Windows OS by way of communist Russia. Doesn't that sound like the best thing ever? No? Well, it is. It manages to make you hate what you're doing, all while making you want to get better, oh, no. and better at it. It's only, it's only real flaws that it's not <laughs> set in the Mass Effect universe. Oh, man, that that's actually the brilliant. best Papers, Please review I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, uh, Pokemon X. It's Pokemon, but in 3D, and you can pet them. Not much more to say. I just really <laughs> like Pokemon Jacob, bless you. Uh, Saints Row 4. Take Infamous and Saints Row 3 and put them in a blender. What do you get? A mess. A completely ruined blender. And a nagging feeling that you did something really stupid that never entirely goes away. But when you're done that with that, you should play Saints Row 4. It's yeah, good. I can agree with that. Uh, Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds. The best Zelda since Windows. That is not wrong. I need to know. Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus. Not as good as Tools of Destruction or A Crack in Time, but still the best Ratchet and Clank. I have never I've played any of those I games. Was, I still get them confused with what's the other like mascot-driven PlayStation game of that era? Jack and Daxter. And I also still get yeah. that confused with uh, Uncharted for some reason. They all seem to be the same thing to my head. Yeah. Uh, he also mentions number 10 on his list is Shin Megami Tensei 4. Something of a disappointment, but the basic gameplay is still pretty good. Plus, the atmosphere is top-notch, though the story could have been much better. Uh, speaking of confusing things, I always get sh the Shin Megami Tensei games confused with the Persona games. Aren't they related? Or isn't one the offshoot of the other? I don't... To be honest with you, I'm not familiar with this series at all. He also says, uh, number 11 on his list is Gone Home. This game didn't click with me the way I would have liked, but I still gladly support anything Fulbright does from now on. Same here. Um... Uh, he goes on to say, Dishonorable Mentions, Bioshock Infinite. The way race issues were handled in this game was just super gross. And in retrospect, I don't know why I expected better from a man who wrote Freedom Force versus the Third What the hell is that? Do you not remember Freedom Force? No, what's Freedom Force? I think Force? that may have been, it may have been the first irrational game. I know uh, Frank was... Force, who is the pseudonym for, uh, G Leonard Nimoy when he, uh, played the voice of the elevator in Star Trek Three. Uh, you can funny. look that up. Oh, I'm not making that up. Frank Force. Of course, it's not Irrational's first game. They did like. System oh yeah, Challenge. I don't know. It was I don't their know that second shit. Game. 
Freedom Force was a tactical game, like a turn-based, uh, or no, a real-time tactics game. Uh, and the gimmick was that they were all superheroes, and they made up all these goofy superheroes that were pretty transparent riffs on uh, uh, established superheroes, and it was, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, His last bit is, say, yeah, brothers. His, and this is interesting, because this is the only negative... A few review you know I've ever heard after of listening to like eight hours of the giant bomb po- uh, giant bomb podcast about the game of the year stuff. Fuck brothers. I played the demo well, and all they could talk about was fucking brothers. They nominated brothers for every possible category for game of the year shit. Game, I everyone has said how good it is. I keep trying to play it. I got like maybe half an hour into it or forty five minutes. Same into here. I bought it uh, just whenever I I fire up my Xbox again. Like I bought it for five bucks because it was on sale. That game had better be fucking amazing for as much oh, people have been damn. juicing about that. Jacob actually may have, in this sentence, talked me out of ever playing Brothers because he says, Brothers is to women what Bioshock Infinite is Shit. to Yes. Wow, you cannot. Well done, Jacob. You have annihilated any interest wow. I ever played. To be fair, there doesn't seem to be too many female characters in that game. Well, yeah, because you open and your mom's dead. What do you think? And... What do you what do you think the ending of that game is? Because from what I've heard, it sounds like it's it's a if you're gonna have a game, it sounds like it does the most stereotypical thing you can do for the ending of that game. I don't want to know, but I keep hearing people really liked the story. Yeah, it. I don't get it, man. From what, from what I heard, it. it sounds like it's stereotypical bullshit. Well, you could imagine what they do with the. Oh, yeah, yeah. He says an otherwise great game brought down by what I hope but doubt. It's a complete misunderstanding of the context of what it's doing. Ruff, ruff. Tell us what you really think, Jake. Adrian J. Wallace <laughs> uh, asks us not to forget about the best animated gifts of 2013. <laughs> Bill, what were your favorite gifts? All of them. Is there such a thing as a bad animated gift? Even the boring ones are like, well, at least that was something. I saw a cool you know, one of an owl in the snow. <laughs> Did you see the one about the cat who falls through the girl's legs? <laughs> Just saying. What I love is that Adrian J. Wallace said this is a joke, <laughs> but you actually do yeah! have your favorite. And there's the kid who sits on the bench that gets blown up by a balloon and he lands on his neck. And it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, Daniel Fight says Saints Row 4. I guess that's his favorite yes. game. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the only per- person who, no one else talked to us. They hate us. It's almost like yeah. we only put out the uh, alerts for people to send us the recommendations like an hour before we start recording. <laughs> also, oh, do we want to do we want to read the email about the guy whose girlfriend? Oh yes, thank you for reminding me. So I had uh, we had meant to bring this up next week, but uh, forgot to. Got a really sweet email from a man named Jeff. Uh, Jeff said, liked hearing that you purchased and enjoyed your Pacific Pie Company goodies for Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. My girlfriend is the head pastry chef there and more than likely made the pies you ate. Thought you'd appreciate the smallness of Portland and that your praise of the deliciousness almost got back to the person that I hope them. he didn't listen. Thank I hope he didn't listen to the episode where you had me taste one of the pies and I didn't like it because it still tasted like beer. <laughs> oh, that's right. I got you the beef and Which stout. Which I still ate it. It was uh, fine for what... But like Ellie said, I don't taste like the taste of alcohol, and you can still taste the beer inside of it, which wasn't bad. It had a nice, fine texture and everything. Man, I need to bring you some other pies. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'll totally take oh, you up on that man. sometime. For for Thanksgiving, they did turkey pot pies. Oh, really? God. 
Damn, that was a good. Oh chicken man, pie. I'd love yeah. me a good pot pie. That's for damn sure. Mm, their their chicken pot pies are excellent too. Urf. So as y'all, thank you for putting up with our bullshit for another year, 2013. We sure did shout about a lot of garbage and talk over each other's opinions quite a bit, didn't we, Bill? Yes. What's the best new console of the year? <laughs> PS4. This is true. Um, I have played no game native to it, <laughs> but. Uh, it's the one of God. Oh, I do have Forza <laughs> so, coming for the Xbox today because I decided I need at least one game to play on that thing that's actually, like, I can play. Yeah, because all I've been doing with the Xbox is just been watching Twitch. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta say, the PS4 really, honestly, is appreciably the same as the PS3, the, but that controller is so satisfying to hold in my hands, and being able to stream my gameplay has been Oh, that's fun. the one mistake I made. I forgot about how if you walk away from an Assassin's Creed game, when you go back to it, it's impossible to remember what anything does. And I cannot <laughs> for the life of me remember how to bring up uh, the, the map in the game. Oh, you! I think you. You press it's... the t- the face touch screen. Yeah. Which I didn't realize that was a clickable button because like the yeah. the the there's no instruction manual that comes with the game. There's an e extra instruction manual which, which doesn't tell you how the UI works. And so it wasn't until literally I accidentally pushed in that touch screen that the map came up. I was like, oh. I think there's an in there's an. Do you have on screen tutorials turned off? No, there's they're on. Either okay. that was part of the tutorial I... that I forgot about, or they just didn't yeah. have that be a tutorial. But yeah, yeah. it was confusing me because I was trying to do some of the treasure map stuff, and that stuff is really hard to do if you can't yeah. bring up the map to see to compare oh, the actual yeah. map to the treasure map stuff. Exactly, oh and like all of the uh, coordinates and shit. Yeah. Oh, Billy, bless you, bless you. Well, friends, this was the Boy Hattie Podcast. As always, we're boyhattiepodcast.com, at boyhattiepodcast oh, on Annie, Twitter. Oof. Car just drove by, <laughs> and I have a sense of the microphone. Lentils. And <laughs> we will talk to y'all in 2014. Oh, that's right. This is the last podcast of the year. Yeah, This man. is our last chance to do something amazing with our money that'll, f- like, flip out the IRS. <laughs> something like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. If anyone wants to use us as a tax shelter before New Year's, just we'll put a a uh, bank routing number on this week's podcast in the show notes that you can just like start forwarding your cash to. Man, Bill, we gotta get a Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is a e wallet um, and a e currency. Where, yeah, people can, like, tip you a Bitcoin, and the value of Bitcoin fluctuates dependent on usage. And I've officially shared all the information I have about Bitcoin. Isn't that only the, what Redditors and f- people of Fedoras wear? That, like, they, that's their money? Because I've seen people will supposedly, <laughs> like, 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 try to tip people with Bitcoins by, like, they'll leave a coin for it, like, so you can get your own Bitcoin account. Which seems like the most fucked up thing you can do. Also, uh, just breaking news, the person who supposedly was stabbing people at the library accidentally stabbed themselves and are going to the hospital. Oh, dear. Yes, Bill was telling me before we started recording that uh, there was a stabbing in the downtown library. Yeah, I guess someone just hurt themselves so badly that people were confused as someone else got murdered or something. Anyway. Please stop crying! And with that, we will talk to y'all in 2014. Who knows the terrible things we'll discuss then? Happy all dying signs. It's like when I'm dancing, there's nothing but me and the rhythm right now. Cool.